0: Welcome, Guardians. It's March 6th, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, destiny podcast. This is episode 17, and this week, we're headed back to the Books of Sorrow. We are going to wrap it up this time. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about some of the uh, uh, different aspects of the books as far as some of the the Extra material, like the Court of Oryx, uh, the Taken, uh, a lot lot of other things that don't necessarily appear in the books themselves. Uh, but this week, to help do this, we've got Beta Chieftain. What's going on?
1: Not much. Spring training has started for baseball, Woo-hoo! so so I watched a lot of baseball this week.
0: You realize this is a video game podcast, right?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I had to say something. I I played two hours of video games this week. <laughs> that to- total that that is it. <laughs> wait, it's wait. Okay. weird how
0: much baseball did you watch? Oh, more than two hours.
1: I want. I watched like a game a day, two to three hours a game. My gosh, so I, like ten to fifteen hours of baseball this week. That's.
2: I, I, may, have, I to, may have. I may have you be. Dragon. <laughs> 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 Hey, how's it going? I too am excited about spring training. I uh, I was I got I was sick pretty much. This is a baseball podcast now. It is. It is. I was, I've we been just sick pretty much team. since Thursday, and uh, um, so I didn't play a lot of death. I played a trials ticket last night, and we were at, we had a frustrating ninth match that involved uh, our heavy ammo not being able to be picked up while the other team picked up their heavy and ran to our spawn oh. while we're trying to pick up heavy, and then we all got blown to smithereens. Uh, so that, that the lag in that match was pretty frustrating, but. Uh, but other than that, I've been watching baseball at work for probably eight to nine hours a day. It's been <laughs> glorious. <laughs>
1: and you thought I watched a lot, x rays.
2: First thing I do when I get to my bar is put on the MLB Network channel and just watch it all day long. It's amazing. You know,
0: I mean, I'm a baseball fan, too. I can't not be living in St. Louis. And then we do have the Cardinals. <laughs> <Suck>. But <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I got to wow. I got a cough. I got a cough. Yeah, we know how the Cubs are doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> historically, that is. They're, they're, historically. They were bad last year. Um, but, but, uh, but, yeah, so, so I, can, I can get behind the baseball thing. But we're not going to talk baseball. We're going to talk right. some lore. And our last guy with us tonight is Drop Slash. What's up?
3: Uh, I have not watched any baseball because I've been working on these notes. <laughs> Yeah, I
0: know. Um, We can tell because they got infinitely longer uh, as we got closer to the record date. I'm kind of mad that we pushed the record date back by a day because um, it might have been about four or five pages less (laughs) than it is right now if we would have just recorded last night.
3: Probably close to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Well, that's our group for tonight. So, wait. uh, What are you up
3: to, X-Ray, aside from being sick?
0: Um... Not a lot. I've been uh I've been running a bit on PS4. Uh, my Titan is is kind of raid ready, I guess. I just gotta find people to play with. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, just been been busy at work and and um I coach my son's basketball and, and that's getting ready to wrap up here, uh, which means uh <laughs> baseball and softball season for the kids is gonna start up and I'm debating whether or not to help coach that. Just my time's already pretty, pretty thin, you know, I mean, but if I'm going to be at the games anyway, I might as well help the team as much as I can. So, mm-hmm. uh, but other than that, not, not much. I mean, enough to keep me busy and being sick doesn't help, but, uh, but I'll, I'll make it I've been through worse. <laughs> so let's get this, this train moving. Um, let's, well, first, uh, again, thanks for, for joining us. And, you can find us on Twitter at DGhost Stories. You can email us at destinyghoststories at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to send us any feedback, questions, uh, requests to join our fan chat, which we've gotten, we've gotten a big uh, influx of requests here lately, so we're getting quite a few people in there, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, so please feel free to join us if you'd like and we are also on youtube and instagram and actually our youtube channel we just started today uh putting some of our our old podcasts uh on youtube um not with with really any video or anything right now just kind of a static image but uh i know some people like to use youtube as kind of their form of of you know listening or watching media and uh so so that could be one of the things you could use uh maybe going forward um i think that's about it any anything else as far as quick little where you can find us is
1: and things just about everywhere you can find us just about everywhere so we, if you we can't find a,
0: us
2: let us know
1: we do have
0: a twitch channel <laughs> and apparently we have like 30 people that follow us even though we've only streamed <laughs> one time so yeah. thanks to everybody who follows us on twitch um you <laughs> maybe know maybe we'll just, do some more with that yeah, here do something with it. yeah we we we've been talking about ways we could we could use that uh, a little bit. So, uh, so, yeah, follow us there, and whenever we start doing stuff, you'll know about it. Um, so where do we want to start here? We have, uh, have some questions, I think, right? Questions of the week?
1: Yeah, I put out a kind of a call on Twitter today just saying we were doing the wrap-up, and if anyone had any lingering questions. So, we, so up front here in the notes, yeah, we got some of those questions that came in.
3: So I'll, I mean, I'll take this first one, not just because it's from Anon, but because this (laughs) is, uh, so this first question is, what are your thoughts on the sisters and Teox? Where are they now? Or rather, where do you, what do you think of them? More importantly, explain how the sisters were able to come back if they were true deaths, but why Oryx wouldn't be able to. Uh, I don't think that we encountered the true deaths of Sabathun and Zivurath in the books when Oryx killed them both uh, to sort of gain the knowledge of their deaths to then take that to Akka and destroy him. It sort of implies that that happened in Oryx's throne, not in either of their own. Plus, Jivu gave her death to Oryx, and we don't know what the implications of that are. Uh, so they were able to come back through acts of embodiment or sound descriptions. Uh so that was pretty easy uh why oryx wouldn't be able to we were just having a huge conversation about this in the fan chat and this is probably one of the most asked questions of all the questions is is oryx really dead (laughs) and the short answer is we don't know there's so many variables Mm -hmm. that exist uh that we've talked about and you know his throne world operates completely different from all the other thrones that we've seen so far. And, you know, he's so far beyond ascendant hive, you know, being sort of a being unto himself as the taken King. So there's no real easy answer for that one.
2: I think from what, from the lore, like theoretically, yes, the sisters probably could bring him back some way, somehow with the help of the deep. But I think just from a gameplay standpoint, I don't think, Punji would have any desire to do that because, I mean, that would just get old really fast. And I think a lot of fans would kind of just find that most lazy writing, like, "Oh, you killed this bad guy, but we brought the bad guy back to life, so you can kill him again. Oh, and we can bring him back to life again."
1: Like, but but at the same time, <clears throat> from a storytelling perspective, if this is a ten-year franchise, it feels lazy killing. The God of the Universe, basically. <laughs> you know? so, so
2: maybe he'll get like right back off in the bat, five or six, maybe, <laughs> possibly.
3: <laughs> I hope so. I mean, we'll talk about this more in this episode, where you know some of the factions that we encounter now, we've developed a bit more sympathy for. Like we we talked a bit in the past about how the Fallen aren't quite like these quote unquote minions of darkness that we believe them to be. That they're, there's way much more to their Their race and their culture and their whole species, and then same with the cabal, uh, where you know they're not just like mindless monsters or space aliens that we're shooting this entire culture to them, and so you know there certainly exists the possibility that there are greater threats out there, and you know as as we stretch into these ten years, who knows who we might be aligning with? Mm -hmm. You know if we have proven via sword logic. Uh, or just through, you know, by defining ourselves, by making our own fate, that we're able to challenge Oryx directly, and he's not destroyed, who's to say he won't come back, you know, and say, hey, you know, you proved to me that my path was incorrect. Like, I was, I was not the Emperor for all outcomes, uh, but now I will help you face something even more dangerous. Like,
1: who knows? So Halo, Halo 2, and then, so half the Destiny levels, we'll get to play as Oryx? <laughs> oh, that'd okay. be
3: awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I guess my comment were more like if it was an, an immediate thing, like if this next big Destiny 2 was Oryx coming back, I think that would be a little Yeah, big. I doubt that. But I if it was that. a late if it was definitely a few years later then I would be I'd be okay with that for sure. Yeah. Um and then I think we've talked about it too, just when you kill Oryx in King's Fall and his body's floating away, just that alone kind of adds some questions of there maybe being something else. Coming from that death
3: as well. Yeah, I mean, I've always wondered. You know, we're always oh the hive feed off light. They use light to grow stronger. Like they, what is it? Slack jaws to slake their thirsts. Things like that. So how come detonating those giant spheres of light in the raid hurt Oryx? Wouldn't they just make him stronger? Like that's like pure concentrated light going right at you, buddy. Uh, so my I, well, my theory my theory is that. In order to attain the quote-unquote true shape, to attain victory, Oryx has to decouple himself from his worm. That thing is holding him back.
0: And I'm going to say this for Gavel since he's not here. When Oryx is floating away, every time that's mentioned, Gavel's like, yep, that's his chrysalis. The worm's getting ready to come out. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. So Mm -hmm. who knows what's going to happen.
3: Well, I think that the whole f- battle for at the end of King's Fall is a show by Oryx to sort of trick us into destroying the worm inside him and not him himself because Ooh. he has more things that he needs to get done. He Ooh. can't destroy the worm himself because he risks his own destruction because the worms are all connected to the worm gods and they would know. But if he could sort of play us to destroy it for him by putting on a show fight, he could potentially... Escape his way out of that and become more of a pure being without being bound to that thing.
0: So, that would, we're just like everybody's lackeys. I mean, we go in, we go into the vault to help out the Vax to get rid of the the, the taken.
3: We have been in the beginning.
0: I mean, well, yeah, that's true, yeah. I guess. Go here, do that. Yes, sir. Go here, do <laughs> that. Yes, elders, ma'am. We're just
1: cleaning up stuff <laughs> for the Queen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that would explain
2: some things, drop on why it's it appears in the raid that Oryx is giving it, showing us the way to kill him by. Yeah. Putting the you know, that orb in the sky and showing us the path to take it and kill the sister or the daughters and then
1: take it and kill him. And So it's yes, yeah, so, so the orb's not Toland leading us; it's Oryx himself. Yeah. Maybe
0: maybe next year will be our time. It'll be like Destiny Two: Guardians Unchained. You know, like a, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like we finally break free and and get to go do our own thing.
2: So going back a little bit, where you were mentioning about them, the sisters not, or yeah, the sisters not having true deaths because they were killed in Oryx's throne world. Mm-hmm. So then that, with that that also leaves open that the uh, the daughters of uh, Oryx are still alive. Yeah. They didn't have true deaths as well. Yeah, Ear so Halak
3: and Ir Anuk. It's which, also interesting, we talked in the last episode, sort of like this great mental image of you know, Ir Anuk and Ir Halak, one at the back of the ship, one at the front, one unraveling space-time, and the other weaving it into a new reality. You know as the the dreadnought mm. slices through space, yet when we encounter them they 're right next to each other like what what are they both doing up front yeah, and they 're basically sleeping
0: well when the, when you <laughs> flip that ship inside out, maybe if you pulled it from each end into the middle, then each end is there together <laughs> where they 're at you know what I mean so it 's like, like, like yeah science. <laughs>
3: Science defeats space magic. All right. <laughs> so,
1: since we're already slightly on, I mean, we're on the topic, I'm going to move us into this next question. Okay. So it's from Tier 1 Scenario. It says, I know it's speculative, but what will become of the hive now? Who will lead or will they scatter? And my first thoughts are, so Orcs set up this whole system of tithing the light, you know, up to him. So if Oryx is gone, in theory, the hive no longer have to tithe their light, you know, up the chain. So, in a sense, I think almost any—if h- someone were to take lead, almost anyone could, because now, you know, they—they can absorb as much light as they want,
3: you know, in a sense. Well, I mean, one of the reasons we run the sunless cell strike against uh, the dark blade is because the dark blade has enough power to to take command of the hive if he wanted to. Uh, yeah. But one thing we need to remember also is that the Hive that we encounter on the Dreadnought, those are all the blood of Oryx. You know, Savathun and Zivu Arath are still out there, and they still command enormous Hive armies. Oryx really only represents—Oryx himself is far beyond, but the army he controls is really only a third of the Hive. Yeah, yeah. So there's a chance that, like, Zivu or Savathun could sweep in and just sort of, like, absorb all of Oryx's Hive army. It's very true.
1: I will say, like, this isn't necessarily based on lore, but I have a hope that the hives, at least in our system, scatter a little bit. Because I feel like, you know, this whole game is about the light, you know, reclaiming what was lost, pushing back the darkness. And so it's like, we've defeated Crota on the moon, we've been killing Hive on the moon for years now, we've killed Oryx. Like, I feel like you know, they need to scatter a little bit so that we can kind of push out from Earth to feel like we're winning at least a bit. Again, that's not, you know, as lore-based, but that's my hope, is that we actually see some changes in the landscape at some point.
3: Yeah, I'd love to see even like a social space as we reestablish sort of like the moon and the inner planets really become ours again.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, like what well, we know in the Golden Age, you know, we've reached a point where we started going out farther and exploring and setting up, you know, colonies far out places. So um, it'll be interesting to see if like, if our city, our, you know, tower community gets, reaches that point where, you know, the Vanguard kind of starts doing that same thing. We're like, okay, we're going to go recolonize these areas and start branching out more. It'll be interesting to see if that plays into anything in the future.
3: Uh, so then we have a question from Beast Sanctuary, BST Sanctuary. I'm hoping BST is short for Beastmaster because that's what the <laughs> abbreviation was in Final Fantasy XI. Uh, Do you guys think the sisters will come to be characters in the game? Specifically, can we interact with them? I think they absolutely will be. Again, we may not see them in year two, but mm-hmm. three, four, five, we've not seen the last of this or them
1: yeah, absolutely well, hey, with with dragon theories we've already met both of them yeah. oh true <laughs> so.
2: yeah yeah i definitely hope we they play a role uh still yeah. and same with the daughters i hope i felt they were much more interesting than crota and crota got an entire expansion so i'm hoping yeah, that that's true the uh the daughters plays a bigger role in the future as well uh, then we have rhino
3: 666 uh Help readers understand the bait stars and then expound on the Leviathan. Uh, this is something I've never understood. I don't understand why people latched on to the bait stars so much. Like they get this like brief mention at the very beginning of the <laughs> Books of Sorrow. Uh I mean, they're really to me, here's how I picture them. Uh what is that crazy fish, like a lantern fish that has that glowing the angler. orb? Yeah, dangler. The the angler yeah. yeah. And then, so at a smaller fish comes towards it and then it eats them. Like that, that glowing, knobby thing is a bait star. Like it, it's beautiful and you want to go towards it and then it kills you. <laughs> like, uh, seems to be the implication. You know, it's just sort of like this naturally occurring thing on the fundament that poses a great threat. Uh, and, and if anybody, and I don't know why, but so, for some reason, people love those things and they, there, I've seen crazy theories about like, no, this is a bait star and that's a bait star, and maybe these are bait stars. It's like, <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, do you,
0: sure. do you think it could have been just like a a way that they they kind of described some of the different species that were on the fundament? I mean, because maybe that was that was a species of of something that also landed oh, yeah. there.
3: Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? I mean, they believed so. themselves to be the very very bottom of the food chain. That everything was out to destroy them. So right and it was yeah <laughs> so even something simple yeah even something simple like this is like oh they, they make it out to be this thing but really it just could have been like a naturally occurring phenomenon or another species and you know to them it's like this huge horrible apex predator right right and then the leviathan the leviathan's a bit more of a complicated story yeah
1: uh, i've i've had some thoughts on the leviathan I, what's always been interesting to me is What card is this? Uh, So, Books of Sorrow, verse one seven, the dive. So towards the end, uh, who is speaking here? It's either Savathun or Jiro, but they say there's something down here, something secret. And then the Leviathan loomed over them, and says, "Booming into the hole of the needle ship in a microwave voice." And then you'll, whenever you read the Leviathan speech, it's always like plus plus this, Mm -hmm. minus minus that, you know. And so I was looking up microwave voice and things and it actually comes back with something called the microwave auditory effect or microwave hearing effect or Mm. the fray effect all words for the same thing but it's basically this phenomenon where you know you can communicate things to people and it will resonate or they'll hear it directly in their head without need for a receiver just through you know microwave pulses Mm -hmm. um and to me that was always interesting because it's like all right well the Leviathan could just be a creature and that's how it speaks. Um, but then I always kind of went down, you know, the rabbit hole of maybe it's actually some type of machine that was built to guard the worms. And, you know, and as a machine, it speaks instead of with speech. Well, it's a, it, it speaks it's with microwaves or something. I mean, it's
0: essentially telepathy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so could that also, this is something I always thought of. Um, could that be how the traveler communicates with the speaker?
3: Well, that's certainly possible I you mean know, it's, so its so the Leviathan yeah. I mean, from what we know is the Leviathan was an agent of the sky uh that was placed beneath the fundament to keep the worms sort of locked down there. It was their warden for the most part uh and its job also was to warn anyone who was getting too close to not do that uh something about i think it was something about the ship that needle ship allowed them to the dot the sisters to make a choice to bypass that leviathan like it could warn them but it couldn't force them to stop uh so they were able to sort of move forward and make that sort of broad deal that they ended up doing uh but it's definitely an agent of, of the sky, like an agent of the light.
1: And that's some reasons, too, why I've leaned towards it possibly being a machine. And there, obviously there could have been something else inside the Traveler, but the Traveler we know and see is, you know, this machine shell. Yes. And, we're, and so sometimes I think maybe, the, you know, maybe the Leviathan was another type of machine shell or something.
3: Yeah. And it's the same with the ghosts. Ghosts seem to be like a combination of sort of like yeah. sentient light and machine. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know
2: if I've seen some comparisons to of uh, lef- uh, the leviathans as like a whale type creature, um, and then it it's kind of interestingly, you know, we know dolphins communicate through like clicks and kind of like whistle type sounds too. So
3: I always think *Link's Awakening* and the flying whale, yeah, <laughs> it's basically the leviathan. I never <laughs> pictured the leviathan like that. I much more pictured the leviathan as sort of like a gigantic, almost like a gate. Uh, that blocks the path to the worms yeah I mean I think that, that sort of like giant whale imagery comes from so much of how I think, the Leviathan's been depicted throughout yeah, history I, was say, exactly. I right. think it's
2: more, that's just a lot of, if you just search for Leviathan on Google you get images of these almost dragon-like sea monsters and so I think that's where that image comes from
4: alright
3: any other burning questions? I'm down at the bottom of the notes right now, so.
1: <laughs> there's, there's one from C- Colin J. Jib.
2: Yeah, I think you answered um, this one already on Twitter. Oh, yeah, but yeah. yeah,
1: It's the one just, one. yeah, do we know what hangs inside the crypts? And it's basically just, van- you know, prisoners of the vanquished races. Yes. And there's also and things that the hive fear
3: in there. So this only, you can only discover this if you're playing regicide. Uh, so, in Regicide, after you defeat Bax and Tauron, you can scan the gate, and that's when Ghost says, Oh, it was open from the other side. But then, if you walk past the gate and you scan the door you would normally walk into to continue the Sunless Cell Strike, Ghost says that you know, beyond this door are things the hive are afraid of, fears they've not yet weaponized. Uh, so, the hanging crypts sort of contain, yeah, like prisoners and. It, you know, after watching that ride-along, it turns out a lot of the dreadnought is devoted to, you know, uh, keeping prisoners. prisoners yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but There's also things back there that, that they fear, like things they're studying, like all kinds of weird, you know, they've conquered so many civilizations. I'm sure they've got samples of everything back there. I mean, it would just, like, let talk about an expansion. Like, you have an expansion where that orcs is destroyed and all of a sudden the hanging crypts collapse and all those millions of things that have got trapped in there go <laughs> rushing free and the Dreadnought turns into this, like, insane Noah's Ark of combat.
4: <laughs>
3: all right. Uh, I didn't put any ignored lore in this episode because we're going to be talking about so much stuff that... <laughs> It's all gonna be lore. Yeah. yeah, we got we got a lot to cover. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump into the this sort of wrap-up thing. So uh I love this I had this quote from Toland right here at the beginning, which is a terrible bargain, a terrible curse. That was the way it began. Uh, and then again going back, you know. All this started with a raw deal. Like the those three sisters made the wrong choice. They opted for power and vengeance, you know, through the mm-hmm. warnings of the Leviathan and that that decision led all the way here. So uh that's just some interesting quote. I have some quotes here, but we'll do this when we cover gear, because I like this quote a lot on the Warren Newman's boots, but I like looks like this the Oryx rebuked card, uh, which is sort of like a a retrospective, like a looking back. Uh and are we gonna use this in the cold open? Maybe I shouldn't read it here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if X-rays feeling up to it, but...
3: anyway.
2: Let's go for it.
3: All right. So uh so on oryx rebuked we have this this brief entry that just says um in a world the stars never shone, the worm never bred in our flesh we lived for a day our teeth were too short we were hungry for things we could not eat uh and as an interesting card it almost seems to be like oryx looking back to the very 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 beginning uh to a time before all this happened and the word rebuke just means to express sharp disapproval uh so whether this is oryx looking back and disapproving of their meek life prior to this uh or looking back and imagining a time you know when maybe this didn't happen like maybe an alternate reality where they decided not to take the worms up in their offer Uh, and what that would have led to, but, Mm. Uh, and then Oryx defeated, uh, which again is just a reiteration sort of, of how Oryx felt here at the end, just sort of, uh, death is the last part of living, and life is learning to die, the song is the same as the singing, the last truth commands me, I will eat all the light in the sky, I will go on forever, I will understand, you know that last line i will understand is he's bound to his worm to do that so mm-hmm. i think going on forever much more though is <laughs> is oryx so those two things are, are sort of contrary to each other those two things oppose each other like to go on for he can't go on forever without understanding uh, but if he ever stops going on forever, he'll stop understanding. So he's (laughs) terrible catch 22 that, that orcs is trapped in, which leads back to my earlier statements about trying to escape his worm. Yeah. It's a good good argument for sure. Uh, Then we have the echoes. We didn't talk a lot about the echoes. I mean, they only show up sort of in game and our reality. And then after watching the ride along, uh, with the comment that this is where Oryx takes himself, uh, the echoes we encounter really seem to be like a taken version of Oryx, uh, just in terms of character model in the game. Uh, so what that represents, you know, who knows? Like I, I'm, I'm hesitant to to take that ride along,
1: <laughs> like as gospel. Right. Like mm-hmm.
3: uh,
1: it is interesting that they're always near blights. When we encounter them generally, yes, and obviously the taken spawn from the blights. So,
3: so and those, those fights are not, I mean, it's I, at this point like we've all run the raid a thousand times and you know we're neck deep in the game, but you know, chasing those shade, those echoes of Oryx, like all the way to the top uh, of the citadel on Venus, like through the tunnels and into the black garden on Mars, like. Those were not easy fights like the the echoes are not something to be taken lightly. Mm -hmm. And then the last part of the the echo of Oryx card, I like this this these three little lines, which is uh I approach the asymptote, I grow vast across topologies, I am not simply connected. And so asymptote is just a it's in geometry, uh, and oryx is known as the geometer of shapes. Uh but it's when uh, the a curve and a line approach zero as they tend towards infinity. So I think that speaks to his desire to be infinite. Uh, topologies, again, is just a study of geometric properties and spatial relationships. Specifically ones that are unaffected by the change of shape or size of figures within it. So again... Uh, the his his relationship to space the, regardless of his size uh and the study of those things again geometry geometry of shapes like these are specific references and then the line i am not simply connected uh i like this line but it's it's worded strangely i think it means to say that as he grows more, like, exponentially powerful, he becomes more and more connected to all things. Uh, I think simply connected is, a like, a term he's using where, oh, like, you have relationships with other people and you're connected. Like, I'm, as a guardian, like, we're connected to the Traveler and we're connected to the Light and we're connected to Earth and the Tower. Uh, these are all, like, terrestrial concerns. <laughs> and, you know, as Oryx just... Expands and exponentially, geometrically through like all of space time, he's connected to everything. It's not; those aren't simple connections. There's right. Well, I also have some of these thoughts where
1: he, you know, and he's saying these aren't just projections of me. Um. So I just I had that huge rant about the sword logic way back in episode four, (laughs) and. I'm remembering when Toland said, you know, the atoms were the victors of the first war, Mm -hmm. you know, they were the first, the first true shape, essentially. And now everything's made up of atoms. And so, and then you, if you go up a little bit in this card, it's Oryx says, behold, my performance of the last true shape. So it's like, to me, when he's saying he's not, this isn't a connection that he's performing the last true shape. It's like, it's a manifestation of his will. But it's also, you know, it's not him projecting his will. Like, it's just as good as if it were him himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like slowly, the more these echoes multiply and appear, you know, kind of like atoms in the first war, you know, eventually everything will just be made up of these echoes because his will will be the building block of all life. So, I like yeah. it. I like it. I yacht.
3: Yeah. I yacht. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yacht. I just have the entries here for Ir Anuk and Ir Halak. And we talked about sort of like, you know, we outlined their exploits in the books a bit. And some of the things that they were responsible for, like they created the, uh, the weapon systems aboard the dreadnought, uh, the annihilator totems. They created those two, uh, mm-hmm. they're fond of killing them each other over and over and over again, which apparently is adorable. <laughs> if you ask Oryx, <laughs> uh, yeah. and that's something I thought was I
2: found was interesting because I don't remember it might say it in the the books that they created the weapons on the dreadnought, but that was something that we learned on the ride along, or that they told us on the ride along was that those weapons were designed by his daughters.
3: Yeah, in the books, when Oryx first uses the super weapon, where he plunges his sword into the ship and expands, sort of his throne outward to annihilate. Uh, the reality before it clever, clever weapons crafted by the daughters. Oh yes. Uh, and I, like I made a note here because and so Ir Anuk. We should probably do Ir Halak first uh, since she's in the front of the ship. Uh, and we talked about this, you know, with Ir Halak in the front of the ship, again, like unraveling space time, and that, you know, she's the unraveler. And then Ir Anuk is the weaver at the back of the ship, sort of just sort of (laughs) recrafting reality from the threads. Uh, As it says here in the Grimoire Card, behind the unraveler comes Ir Anuk. Yet when we encounter them in King's Fall, they are directly across from one another. They're not, you know, back in front. They are... (laughs) They're right next to each other. Of course, the sleeping, ship wasn't moving. True, so. it was not. So they relocated. <laughs> you know, and then we have this big question mark with your Anuk and your Halak where they were killed in Oryx. Okay, so if, we're, if the, th- the Dreadnought is the throne and the throne is the Dreadnought, your uh, Anuk and your Halak were not killed in their throne worlds. They were killed in Oryx's throne worlds, which means that they are not truly dead. Yay! Uh, So we may not see the last of them. And then I have a note down here for Crota. (laughs) The poor Poor dopey little brother. (laughs) He is such... It's so funny how he was so front and center for The Dark Below, but man, he is an afterthought in all this. Like, he is... He is a special child. But I did make a note here that the crux of Crota, that item... Uh, says, obtained only by defeating the son of Oryx, an heir to the Osmium throne in the raid's most difficult mode. I wonder, why is Crota the heir to the throne? Why isn't, Why aren't Ir-Halak or Ir-Anuk heirs to the mm. throne? We know that having a female heir is not a big deal in their society because the three sisters, like Arash, yeah. was originally the heir to the Osmium king. So, why did the sisters, the daughters, get skipped over and, and Crota Got that honor. That's a good question. Don't know. Okay. Uh I stuck Willbreaker in here. Uh, and the best description we get of Willbreaker comes from the Dark Drinker card. Uh, so I'll read that. Rays Lighter doesn't really have much to say about where it comes from. Boltcaster does a little bit, but Dark Drinker itself is a great sort of insight into uh, what will breaker and will breaker was Oryx's sword because draw close now, closer. Yes, let me tell you why you should not fear Willbreaker, the sword of Oryx. I like to imagine that this is Tolan talking. Uh, firstly, so I think it's
1: I think it's Eris, honestly, really,
3: but. yeah. <sighs> Firstly, its blade is not dulled by age. Uh, Each death it trades for life hones its edge, gives it weight and gravitas and insistence within the vortex of its own totality. Which makes it similar to a standard Ascendant Hive sword. I think Mm -hmm. that comes up in the other Ascendant cards about the swords where they don't get sharper, but they don't get more dull by killing. They get sharper. Uh, nextly, Willbreaker transcends liminality, Willbreaker demands a subjugation more diffuse than the simple snick and smash of a physical brink. brink it does not have to touch you to wound you uh, so Willbreaker's a paracausal weapon uh, and its abilities aren't just like <laughs> Oryx hits something with it <laughs> uh, it has way more power than that uh, and we know, we know that this sword can slice through dimensions for the most part. Uh, this sword is the key to to forcing, uh, you know, orcs' throne outwards uh, from the dreadnought and annihilating everything around it, like it blew that huge hole in the rings of Saturn and devastated the awoken fleet. This is all the power of Willbreaker.
2: Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure. I don't know who... That card is who's talking in that, but just the wordage of it, it's hard to imagine Eris saying it. I thought it was maybe Shax, maybe just speaking as a proxy, but Uh I don't know. It's even just just first, first, firstly and nextly, it's hard to
1: imagine. (laughs) Draw close now, closer, Shaxx wouldn't say. Yeah. But the rest of it does sound slightly like Shax yeah anyway let's keep going so uh, <laughs> i want to say something i okay. need to finish it first and <laughs> lastly
3: and this is critical to be taken in will Breaker's grasp is to know true bliss that is to be simplified that is to be reduced to one's most basic level shedding all higher order thoughts of fear or duty or selfishness that is to feel only pain now do you see do you understand what you've done so those last two, that now do you see and now do you understand what you've done? That just screams Toland to me because he's always asking, like, do, "Do you get it yet? Do you, you figured it out?" Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I have a question, really quick. Sure. I haven't gotten my Dark Drinker yet. So what's the uh, what's the super ability on the Dark Drinker? The, like the
3: final, the you know, amazing perfect. Void Vortex, where you super spin forward. Yeah, it's like a super spin. It's awesome. <laughs> I was just using it in the nightfall. We killed the scion flares in like five seconds. Three people with dark drinkers. It's it's
1: loose, but I actually and we know there's three swords. And when I read the middle one where he says, "Nextly, it doesn't have to touch you to wound you," I immediately thought boltcaster because you know mm-hmm. you can shoot out from it. And with in the last one, I, I tend to think rays lighter because you're you know you're just simplifying things by Oh, Yeah, I guess that's upper, true. uppercut obliterating them. So I was wondering what the dark drinker was. Well, I mean, there you go. Like perk was, you know, but...
3: uh it gives weight and gravitas and insistence within the vortex of its own totality. And oh, you go. you create a vortex with dark drinker. Yeah, so it's like
1: so when we uh you know, when we get our exotic sword depending what we choose, we're kind of embodying one of these three abilities to a degree. Oh, nice. And and so going into that, um so again, we were saying, raise lighter doesn't shed a lot of light, but boltcaster is interesting. Um, so it says, and this is Shax talking, right? I believe in boltcaster.
3: I'm not sure. It's definitely Shax and raise lighter. I don't have the text here, but the, the text okay. for raise lighter is definitely Shax. Okay, so boltcaster is
1: there must be a way to imbue it with light, and it being wheelbreaker, that is like chorus theory. How glad I would be of her help, but her eyes are occupied with other trials. Perhaps if I folded another substance into the blade, one that is forged in light, it might imprint upon the malleable hadium, share its attributes. But what substance? Ghosts are out of the question. Oh, man. Spin metal is in the blade already, but its arc was too diffuse to move the hadium. Is there a way to refine spin metal, distill it to its core elements? I have little gift for the science of this, but my resolve will not be thwarted. Maybe the Cryptarchs can advise.
3: Could um, could this possibly be the gunsmith? Could this be Banshee? I
2: was thinking Banshee or maybe Eris on this one. I don't
1: think Banshee, though, because we don't go to, to Banshee for any part of the exotic quest. Yes, we? you
3: do. You have to get the delivery from him.
1: Yeah, yeah, you pick it up from him.
3: (laughs) Because we talked about this in the ignored lore on the last episode uh,
1: about the foundry that well, right, the foundry. But I thought it was Shaxx who sent it to the. I because once you've gotten your first one, they don't they skip a bunch of steps. Yeah, no, you
3: have to go. You have to go to Banshee to place the order with the foundry.
1: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yes. So, so so we basically narrowed it to it. It's probably either Shaxx or Banshee speaking here.
3: Um. And this is all, for anybody I, I do lo- wondering, this is yeah. all linked to the very last cutscene where Oryx leaves without Willbreaker, and then Eris boards the Dreadnought and takes the shard of Willbreaker. Yeah, that, so I
1: was about to say that. Yeah. One thing I really want, I just want to say really quick is, you'll remember Shaxx when he's like yelling at everyone to please not go to the moon to fight Crota. He's, always, he's very interested in swords. Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, he's he's tied up in the exotic sword quest. Cause he's always seemed to have a fascination with
3: them. Mm-hmm.
1: He knows of their power.
3: Yeah. Well, he saw it firsthand, so, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what you were saying, drop, um, everyone always asks, you know, what was Eris doing in the final cutscene? So first thing we can read what she's with the dialogue. So she says, my queen, you were right. The guardian was the key for the first time. The whispers are silent. It is done. I've accepted my fate. I will not fail. Um, so before we go too deep into that, the one theory that I want to debunk is people are saying like, oh, she's stealing the sword and she's going to do something with it. And it's like, yes, she, she took the sword to shacks because we know orcs's sword is named Wheelbreaker. She takes the shard out. And then in the dark Dreaker text alone, it says that we are taking willbreaker and so basically what happens is Eris gives the shard to Shax, and then we imbue it with light like it describes in Boltcaster. It was a dark weapon that we're trying to reforge into light and then Shax gives us our exotic. And a lot of people forget that in original Taken King, you could only get one sword. Like you had to pick and they did not let you switch after that. Yep. And so that goes back to, you know, you had one Wheelbreaker shard. And you chose what to do with it. And then later Bungie went in and you know added in the option to grab the other swords because people didn't want to create alternate characters. Yada yada. <laughs> yeah,
2: and you can see the shard yeah. of Willbreaker on your sword. It's either blue, orange, or purple, depending on which one you have. But it's yeah. right. And you're sitting right on top of the hilt there. So.
1: so yeah. So I just want to debunk that theory. That's like, no, Eris isn't, you know, secretly taking the sword or blah blah blah. It's like, no, we now have Orcs's sword.
3: Um, yeah we we basically wield the power wheel of or yeah. one third of the power of Willbreaker. depending on the, right. I mean I if it was up to me I'd be carrying two one in each hand and one of my teeth when I fought but <laughs> <laughs>
2: so just on that real quick like like how, how do I want to phrase this I guess in the story as far as like the lore is concerned do you feel that there is just one sword And then they added the three kind of just as a gameplay mechanic?
1: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And to me, it's like, you know, they're always talking about there's only one thorn. And then in the crucible, magically there's 8,000 thorns. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there, there comes a point where for gameplay mechanics, you have to, you know, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all, one.
3: and again, so, like every guardians ghost is supposed to be unique to them, but every player characters, guardian, a ghost is the exact same. So
2: mm-hmm. yeah. it's someone on Twitter trying to like almost argue with me on that and be like how every guardians in its own time, you know, plane or like on time, space and time and it's like no it's that's just a gameplay mechanic like it's like i'm in my game i am the most powerful guardian in the world according to the story and the lore and you're just normal guardians in your game you're the most best that's <laughs> nothing to do with different dimensions or anything it's just that's just a game
3: <laughs> for all simulations right. being run by the yeah. Vulcan class. <laughs>
2: it's like if you want to think that if it makes you feel better then all
1: right go for it i guess but <laughs> So I don't know if we want to go too deep into it here. I mean, I don't know where else we would, so this might be the best time. But so in that, that dialogue from Eris, she says, My Queen, you are right. And so it's, you know, it's pretty well established that the Queen and Eris had a plan. And a lot of a lot of people, you know, didn't necessarily read the whole Ma raid or all the Skolos cards from House of Wolves, but in there, Skolos actually tells the queen that orcs is coming well he doesn't say the word oryx what does he say light eater dark dark some what's the phrase but um at which point the queen says to send a crow to our hidden friend and another one to mercury so we think the hidden friend was eris and then mercury we're assuming was osiris yeah and there's another card later that has two people meeting with the queen which we believe to be osiris and eris so they had this plan going all along, and the question really is, what was the plan? Because the queen, you know, made it look like she killed herself. And so, you know, you're kind of wondering, what do they have in mind? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and so then you just have Eris almost confirming that the queen, you know, the queen, you were right. You know, the guardian was the key. And so that kind of just divulges the plan a little bit, like whatever the plan was. It was had to do with us,
1: yeah. And then the interesting part at the end, where it says, "I have accepted my fate. I will not fail." Mm -hmm. And so you're like, "So what's her fate?" I mean, we know she, we know for a fact she was a guardian. Um. Well, there's the theory that somewhat. (laughs) <laughs> that Sabathun or someone is wearing Eris' skin but <laughs> but disregarding that <laughs> if this is the real heiress, we know for a fact she was a guardian and she lost her ghost and so to to a degree her fate is to die because she doesn't have a ghost anymore Um, but it it's interesting I don't I personally don't have really any theories on what she might mean here
3: yeah I hope that's well, not her fate This, I mean, this could lead us directly (laughs) to this next entry, which is the other weapon, big weapon, other than the raid weapons, which is Touch of Malice. Uh, And I tell you, and I feel stupid, you know, about this. I searched everywhere for the descriptions on the three pieces of the Touch of Malice. It's been so long since I've, I've had mine, and I didn't even think to look at this. But the Blade of Famine... Uh, the Shroud of Ear Anuk, and the Ravenous Heart. I cannot find any image anywhere of these items and what their descriptions are. Uh, so if you do not have your touch of malice yet and you're in the middle of this quest, could you please screenshot these three items from your inventory uh, so I can read the descriptions on them?
2: Yeah, I, I yeah. search on Google <laughs> and I get an image of the OP banana and it's got an <laughs> image of the banana. And the weapon screen
3: like okay that doesn't help (laughs) uh so you can easily see these three parts on touch of malice like the blade of famine is the the piece out front that comes from the war priest i believe uh the shroud of iranuk covers the gun and the ravenous heart is the
2: yeah, the tiny little heart, yeah. spinny thing, the tiny little
3: heart of the black garden that's in there.
2: So that, one one cool quote I I did find though is when you first get the quest to find those the three items, and at the bottom is it's Eris talking and she says, you know she says to go and board the dreadnought, find these pieces, um and, you know they perhaps they relate to these mysterious fragments. Just, but then this kind of funny quote at the bottom is like I just don't know if the journal's writer is the man who descended into the pit by my side or the man who went mad in its depths. So that was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, so I have, and speaking of that, I've got, so from the quest, form the ritual, where you have to get these things. The quote on the top is from Tolan's journal, which she's referencing there. It says, the famine, the feeding, and always the deaf singer's shroud covers all. These are the keys. These are the keys. Which makes you think, Tolan just knew everything. Right. (laughs) He's like, in many years, you'll need to craft Touch of Malice. Let me just write down for you what you're going to need. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, this gun, there's so much weird stuff tied to this weapon. It's awesome. Uh, and there's like even little things. So there's the weapon, like obviously so the blade of famine, which could be sort of the effect of the gun. What is the name? Do you have the name of the perk off the top of your head? Or is it just called touch of malice? It's, um, ooh. there's two. Yeah. One's touch of malice
1: and I, wish I were sitting in front of my Xbox. I'm not, I don't <laughs> have it.
3: <laughs> uh, but in either case, one of the things that I, I've always loved about this gun, I've always wondered if this is, you know, just sort of a, the way it played out or if it's on purpose, I have to imagine that this was designed. Uh, so touch of malice has 11 rounds. Uh, and we know that the krill species that the hive originally were lived for 10 years. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. so when you get to that last round, number 11, uh, and you can just sort of like fire it infinitely until it kills you sort of like a simulation of what it must be like to be living with the worm. Like it, it grants you immortality, but then it feeds off you from the inside. Uh, where the touch of malice sort of grants you this infinite uh, ability to shoot as it feeds off you uh, from the inside. So, yeah. that, that 10 11 ratio I think was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, the main I perk. I almost
1: feel like we need, we need to come back to this on an ignored lore segment <laughs> for another week since we've forgotten all the quest lore.
2: Yeah. Well, the main perk is touch of malice, and then the, the last perk is touch of mercy.
1: Oh, oh
3: interesting uh and the the text the description the grimoire cards were really interesting because it leaves us again with more questions thanks eris uh so i'll put that in, and i guess this obviously led to uh toland had a hand in this now to a bit it says here am i with the power to craft from my enemy's darkest secrets the weapon that could wound them at their core So what stays my hand? When I behold the interiority of these cold, cold fragments, I see blind, squirming creatures. Every wound they give, they feel also upon themselves. Every bite they tear from the light only deepens, never fills, the raging emptiness behind their terrible mouths. The voices are as loud as ever, my nightmares just as bitter. My coal-black hatred burns as hot, but I feel something else now. Could it be? No, I refuse it. I will build this weapon. So there was something in the back of her head that was maybe telling her to not make this thing. Uh, You know, there was, and what I believe this to be is pity. (laughs) Mm. Uh, You know, as Eris realizes that for so many of the Hive, just living is torture. (laughs) That to kill them could actually be to do them a favor. (laughs) And that may have have stopped her for a moment from making this thing, <laughs> but then she just sort of pushes through and gives it anyway. gives into her hatred and dark side, yada yada.
1: So, if we want, I found Dado's video on YouTube where he went through the whole quest. Oh. and so I ha- if I pause this, I can get every single piece we missed. <laughs>
3: um, does he so I mean? Does he show his inventory screen with the blade of famine, the shroud, and the ravenous heart? I'm going to check,
1: but I mean, so far, you know,
3: he shows getting the quest and so I can get that text. Um, Cause
1: there's lots here. Like, you know, what, what draws Eris curiosity is the calcified fragments, which we know turn into the books of sorrow. Um, yeah. And so that's what really, you know, in this first, when you're, when you're given the quest, she says in all my years among them, them being the hive, I've never seen anything so old as this strange fragment and despite its age uh, see how it glitters in the shadows (laughs) and then she says should you find more bring them to me yeah so
3: oh this is the old this is the old hunger which is just the the start of the quest
1: yeah or the deep lore it is I love how the quest is called the deep lore (laughs) yeah because you got to really commit to get all the books of sorrow and they're quite deep um So it goes through. We find fragments. He's going back now. I
3: wonder. So, Ir Anuk is the Weaver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, she's the yes. She's the, unra- is she she's the yeah. She's the Weaver. So I wonder if that the shroud is what allows that eleventh bullet to also be infinite. Like it is. It's like on a micro scale. It is weaving reality into the next bullet infinitely. That could be a thing. I don't know. There's yeah. so there's so much mystery and lore tied around this one item. Uh, it's so awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm just trying to go through here. And, and then, of
3: course, see. the ravenous heart looks like almost exactly like the heart of the Black Garden in micro right. form. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to skip.
1: Yeah. I definitely don't want to skip that, because that's very yeah. curious. Well, the, I know we've had some people. It's, it's described as a heart, and yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> We've had some requests for, like, an exotic weapon and armor episode, so I'm sure we can cover... Oh,
1: yeah, that's So, we'll... Touch we'll more we got you know, on let's that. come... Yeah. Let's definitely come back to it. Yeah. I'll try to get some research done and, and find... like I said in the previous parts. episode,
3: if you have a touch of malice, go somewhere quiet, shoot it down to its last round, and listen to the whispers. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the High War, which is the Court of Oryx, uh because it plays a key part we talked about this in the books oryx directly mentions that if his court is to be defeated uh and his tribute is dr- sort of dries up he would be dealt a great blow so uh let's talk a little bit about the court itself uh, i got some quotes here two by Eris, one by icora uh the first one by Ichor just says, How is Oryx able to sustain so many warriors? Is the court drawing from an immense planet somewhere beyond our system another plane of existence? Uh, I don't think those questions need dis- really deep answers here. Uh, how is he able to sustain so many warriors? Because he put a very strict tithing system in place, and the dreadnought is enormous. And we already know that <laughs> the Crips and uh the asylum uh like there's just thousands of things trapped <laughs> on the dreadnought uh the next quote's by eris the court hungers for our light their need is a chasm that can never be filled that's a pretty generic quote we know that anything with a worm can never truly be sated and then the last one is within the bowels of the dreadnought is a monument to the feared court of Oryx. Seek out the court runes, use them to summon their number and end them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is also Eris. Although it doesn't really seem like the dreadnought, the courts in the bowels of the dreadnought, but one thing that yeah. was really cool in that ride along <laughs> is when they showed the original concept art for what the court could have looked like. Uh, Man, it looked awesome. Yeah, Yeah. I was like,
2: I know, I saw that. I was like, man, I wish they would have kept it (laughs) how it was before. That looks ridiculous.
3: Uh, So let's start with Tier 3 and work our way down. Uh, So the very first one will be Thalnok, fanatic of Crota. You can actually see him in Regicide. I think they do in the the ride-along, too, (laughs) that if you are screwing around in Regicide and you, you sort of head off the beaten path, Uh, the rupture in the court will open and Thalnok will come out. And in the ride-along, they mistakenly call him Oryx like four times. (laughs) (laughs) It is Crota, buddies. Uh, This card is pretty funny. You just called him Crota. They called him
2: Fanatic of Oryx on the the ride-along instead of Fanatic of Crota.
4: Yeah. So his, yeah, his I card's like his card. Yeah, this he, card He's easily
1: funny. deceived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I put and defeated.
3: Uh, I love it. Unless you're in a
1: large fire team, yeah. then it could prove quite difficult. He's
3: easy, he's easily defeated unless you have randos with you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I like this sort of laugh and laugh at Thelnock. He will never hear this song. Diminished <laughs> in sense, small of purpose. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, So then I highlighted that in all ways Thalnok mantles Crota, my son. He comes to the high war, my court, greedy to hear me say, welcome child. And I highlighted the Thalnok mantles Crota line uh, because it shows how the hive used the word mantle. We know that Oryx later at the ends of the Books of Sorrow says that he will be mantled by he who defeats him for the most part. Uh, meaning that his whoever takes his place will be like him uh using mantle as sort of the definition of to imitate in an attempt to take the place of Mm -hmm. and that doesn't happen with us and oryx where we we very specifically and toland calls us out on this we don't toland's mad about it yeah we don't take his place we defeat him and leave uh but in this case, you know, Thalnok is attempting to imitate, to take the place of Crota. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, whether- Orcs,
2: but- Orcs also mentions it in about his daughter and how she is, you know, when she's planning on killing these axioms. And he says, as Akka would kill the truth, like, and then enmantling Akka, you yeah. will become a god. And so, as in, you know, mimicking Akka, then you will become a god. So, it's, it's a good catch there.
1: Good find. I like the line. Because you, you, know, you might ask, why did Oryx put someone he laughs at so much on his court? And so it says, uh, I create Thalnuk to my court so that I may, may observe my son by fateful foolish proxy. So basically, he keeps Thalnuk on the court so he can keep tabs on Crota, because he knows whatever Crota does, Thalnuk will do. <laughs> uh,
3: the last line is great here. It says, listen, the last true shape depends on asks for venerates nothing uh and i think that ties back a little bit to sort of the deep in the dark taking uh while the light gives so Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and well this will another line that's very important will come up later we'll talk about that
2: yeah and I love the uh, shout-out to uh, Sherbert Pop, who does those drawings after listening to the episodes. Yes. She uh, did the one of uh, you know, the orcs' court sitting around the table, and it's, it's perfect because it shows Crota kind of walking in, carrying tea, and then Thalnox sitting at the end, drawing <laughs> right in a yeah. in a pink pen with a big heart over like, saying, I love Crota, and just watching Crota. It's awesome. Well, And, and the one guy's got the uh, strawberry Vix yeah strawberry Vex smoking <laughs> one of the guys drinking. i think it drinking, <laughs> that
3: was perfect maybe. and then so next we have balwar and Balwer is an interesting case uh right in the first sort of lines here to balwar i entrust with bitter tongue a terrible work daughter of savathun untouched by time your death is hidden well so Balwar is a daughter of Savathun, who is inside the High War. And if Oryx
1: was so mad about Crota, now we got, we're going to have to deal with Savathun.
3: <laughs> yeah, so if Savathun... Coming back, because yeah.
1: we killed Balwar. <laughs>
3: uh, and also that line, your death is hidden well. So this means we may not have destroyed Balwar completely. Uh, yeah. That if her death is hidden somewhere... You know, and who knows, as a daughter of Savathun, who knows what, you know, crazy, conniving, weird place that death might be hidden, uh, that Balwar may not be totally gone. Yeah.
1: Right, now I'm looking it up because i would forgotten how to defeat Balwar.
3: Balwar is... uh,
2: She's the one that I haven't defeated yet, actually. It's the, okay, she's so she's, she's the fo- the floor the floor's, hot, yeah,
3: floor's hot lava. That's what I always put in my yeah. notes. Yeah.
2: She's uh. my 50th uh, fragment that I haven't got. Oh, no, really? She's super easy. I know. I just always, uh. whenever, we,
3: whenever she's there,
2: I'm always, it's always like Oryx hard mode or a really good trials <laughs> map or something. And I never, I just always forget.
1: So yeah, so. the line is interesting where it says her death is hidden well. Because to defeat her, all you do is shoot an acolyte, and then stand in the you know safe spot, and then just kill her, yeah,
3: so we we to defeat her, we augment our light and push her back into the court, we don't actually destroy her, it seems you know, we're not like I said, we don't we have no knowledge of where her death is hidden, so we can't actually kill her, not like some of the other members of the court,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and it makes sense it's so it later says here that uh instead uh learn to chew them into poisons. so you'll be the cesarean of metabolisms gather up the lie shapes neither eat nor mock them as you crave instead learn to chew them into poisons savathun has a mention of poisons also in the books of sorrow and this makes sense the floor remains poisonous during this battle with her uh, right so and it says craft me Craft for me a flawless armor word, and Balwer invincible against guardians uh, and lets you destroy her acolytes to reclaim lost light. Uh, separate the death from the dying. Cut the shadow apart from the fire. Make the fire burn hot. Arm us with weapons against our foe. Arm my court for the long crusade. So Balwer could be the one who's responsible for any number of the invincibility mechanics that happen. Uh, that we encounter with the Hive. They could all sort of be the the product of her, sort of what Oryx has ta- tasked her with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next we have Kagur World Render. She actually has an appearance in the Books of Sorrow by name uh, in verse 411, Emperor for All Outcomes. She was the one who asked where Oryx would move uh, his throne world to which is also depicted in Sherbert, Pop, Sherbert Pop's art <laughs> with her just saying where, question <laughs> mark. Uh, she is really powerful. Uh, so we, talk about, we talked about on the, in the last episode, so the shape of joy, O ruler mine, which is Oryx talking to his worm. So we can skip through that part. But there's this line here: "Saith Kagor, World Render who split all moons." So that is some serious power. It, powerful. <laughs> uh, now I just put stupid notes in here. Whoops. <laughs> My joy <laughs> is mastery and dominion. Hey, mine is too. Uh, the joy of rule, which is very hive. But here's where. Here's where. Kagor really starts to exploit some crazy power. Uh, Sayeth Kagor, I compel the loyalty of all new flesh, huge and furious in its hunger. That which may not be otherwise commanded, my death is hidden in this sport. Kagor's death is hidden in the creation of ogres. Uh, we come across this new flesh line a lot, it almost always relates to creating an ogre
1: uh right, so i yeah reading the mechanic for the fight there's the servile o- ogre, yes, that spawns with Kagor, and you have to you have, you have to ste-
3: defeat that ogre, well, you have to steal on you have to steal the ogre 's fury uh in order yeah. to do any damage in that fight right so yeah, so that's
1: yeah, the death is hidden in the ogre
3: so. well, it may not be that the death is even hidden in the ogre, it may be that the death is hidden in sort of the sport in, in the mechanic the, of the yeah ogre. the game of stealing an ogre's fury uh and here we have oryx specifically referring to himself as the geometer of shapes which is something i mentioned earlier in this episode uh and then we have this line "Saith crota my son i will raise new flesh that even kagor cannot rule uh in this way i will expand our might uh so this means that Crota is very easily able to defy the will of other Ascendant Hive. It makes sense since he's Oryx's son. But, you know, if if Kagura comes forth and defines this aspect of her will to manifest it into reality, and Crota can say, nope, <laughs> I will create something that you can't have. Uh, so then I started looking into ogres. That it, have- it makes me think of Fogoth. And it has... It- a failed crota experiment <laughs> Yeah. So, well we have fogoth we have the might of crota that appears in siege of the warmind uh <laughs> yeah the ogres that appear in the oversoul throne bridge and then during the movement phases uh of the actual crota fight itself so it's not like ogres it's not like crota said i'm gonna make ogres that you can't you know you cannot rule and then didn't do it there's actually a lot of ogres that appear uh in the dark below. So Crota, hey, he did something. He did something that he said he was gonna So good on you, Crota. <clears throat> uh, so that those are the tier three, the risk sort of like the high level court of oryx. Uh, you know, they're all pretty easy to defeat. Unfortunately, uh, Thalnox a chump. Uh, again, that he's easily deceived. I love that line because the best way to defeat him that I've found is to just hide underneath him and then come, come up and attack him from behind. The dude never turns around fast enough. He is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Balwar is a fun fight with the floor's Hot Lava. Hey, she may not be mm-hmm. totally destroyed. <clears throat> and then Kagor, if you do not understand the <laughs> mechanics of that fight, it can, it can steamroll you. Like, not knowing how to get the Ogre Fury to destroy the Ogre's you can unload with all your heavy weapons and you do no damage to them. It's, it's, I've seen people just get steamrolled by, by that Tier 3 because they didn't understand what they were supposed to be shooting. Uh, and that takes us down a notch into Tier 2, where we have uh, our first Taken uh, sort of court lieutenant, which is Brachis Horusk. Uh, I talked about...
1: uh... And and what's interesting here is, and so the Tier 3 were all Hive, and, I mean, Oryx kind of gave them mandates, but didn't necessarily tell them, you know, to change their nature. But once you reach Tier 2 here on a lot of them, like here on Brachus, you know, Oryx kind of, he takes him, but he's also changing his nature, which is taken things. So he's, you know, he says, uh, Brachus, his armament was not his might. And then we then of course learn in the fight that Brachus is basically invincible unless you kill everybody around
3: him. So Oryx has fixed his deficiency. Yes. And when we, we'll get to when we get to the taken part of this, we'll talk about how Oryx's will sort of seduces the the will of the taken into being a new thing. Uh Yet the strength of Horusk is the loyalty he commands. So that makes sense, destroys minions to, to hurt him. Not particularly challenging, <laughs> the fight itself. Uh, I like this, I broke the ligature above him and I cut him from his pretender lord. This is, I've always wondered, you know, of all the creatures we encounter, this, the strongest of will has got to be the, uh, the Cabal. You know, in the S.H.I.E.L.D. Brothers strike, you know, Kade talks about how they're loyal even beyond death. So for Oryx to break the will of of Cabal commanders to, like, just completely sever them from that hierarchy of command that is so ingrained into them uh, that it extends beyond death must be quite a, a force of, of power, a show of power. <clears throat> then we have... Krugor, who is also Uh <laughs> So uh, I, I mentioned that somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter uh, that these are the same thing, just different translations. This is, uh, Krugor appears by name in verse 4 which is the golden amputation. Uh, and this is another
1: uh, says here that he was Uh, where's the word touched by savathun this is another influence of savathun within oryx's Mm -hmm. court yeah
3: uh and this opening line listen yule to the count of my court uh oryx addresses yule directly on a lot of the court cards so i don't know what yule's influence on the court is uh but a lot of these cards have yule have Oryx directly saying to Yule, this is the count of my court, as if to prove he has assembled this sort of, like, mighty force. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Krugor touched by Savathun. Uh, distance, so this is great. Distant Savathun hid the death of Krugor inside another curse. Uh, we don't know if this happens before or after. You know, when Oryx first forms his court, the sisters are still around. So whether this is one of the first entries into the High War, uh, because Savathun was around to do it, and now Oryx only refers to her as distant because she left towards the ends of the books, or she can still wield her influence from that far away on creatures in the High War, we don't really know. Uh, and we know that the curse, the curse is whatever curse causes those thralls to explode. Uh <laughs> And that is where the, uh, the death of Krugor is hidden, and the mechanic there, obviously, is he can only be, his shields only drop once he's subjected to the explosion of cursed thralls, and he takes ridiculous damage from cursed thralls as well. Which makes me wonder if anybody's ever fought him with necrochasm. <laughs>
4: uh,
3: there's a mention here at the end, back to the golden amputation, which is verse 4 of the books. And that takes us to Mengor and Krog. We've also talked I lo- about
1: I love that. this one because uh it has some of the best backstory. Yes. For, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of of all the uh people in the high war. So it says you tithe strength to each other like comrades. When you and then when you pull down the gift mast, dyad bound, the tithing did not reach me. <clears throat> so basically they're in the court. To a degree, as punishment, because yes. <laughs> they were not obeying the tithing laws, and they were trying to strengthen each other.
2: Mm-hmm. And they kind of had their almost their strength when they're described in the books is, you know that they're they're close, and, you know they're they're brothers, but you know their strength, like one would be at one end of the bridge, and the other would be at the other end, and it'd be you know they'd completely trap, you know, what no one in, no one out. You know, yeah. demolish anything between, or, yeah, yeah, they're mentioned in the book, yeah, when they decimating.
3: fought the Tybus the, tibis, the tibis, tibis. yeah,
2: and so then like their curse is kind of it's almost taking their strength, but then it's like, okay, now you are never able to be separated, kind of thing. Or it's like, if the closer you are, like when you get them close, is when you can kill them, yeah, that can damage them, and so it's like their closeness is now the curse,
3: yeah. Yeah, I love the the sort of back. And so, you know, one of you is to be the lesson, which is Krog. Uh, this shape is strength. This shape endures, and I arm you with fire. And then one of you is the learner. The shape, the direction of strength. Tie both sides of your blade to me. So that also sucks for Mengor, because mm-hmm. no matter what he kills with that blade, in any direction, all goes to Oryx.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And there's, I think it's, it is interesting because there's a a part in the beginning when Oryx is first kind of setting up the, the tithing rituals and, you know, even says, you know, take as much as you dare, basically Mm -hmm. take as much as you dare, you know, but still ensure that it, you know, I get what I need. And and so they kind of, they, they definitely took too much. <laughs> they, they kind of, they forgot the main part, which was still to give a little bit to him or yeah. give, you know, I think it was like, give to me what, you know, what you dare or something. Yeah. I don't really tie tie
3: one side of your blade to me. Mm-hmm. And here so he's saying to tie both sides of your yeah, blade. Yes. Yeah,
2: so now they're getting complete. They're not getting anything now. It's just all, <laughs> all going to him.
3: <clears throat> and then, so next we have low car. I think this is now we're into Tier 1, I believe. Is Lokar Tier 2 or Tier 1? I think it's Tier 1. This card is great. I had no idea that there was a backstory here to Lokar like this. Uh, And it opens right up with, Who is this nameless thing? She fell upon Omnigul, whose aspects multiplying, saying, I am diminished. Gift me your death. Uh, So... Risk right off the bat, the hive express reality through definition. So the fact that Locar doesn't, prior to when she gets the name Lokar, didn't have a name is sort of like not even having an existence. <laughs> like you're there's nothing to define you within the reality of this realm. Uh so how do you even exist without a name? Uh, That's interesting. So that she fell upon Omnigul, which I just read as attacked. Like, f- to fall upon something means that you attack something. Uh, saying, I am diminished, give me your death. But why would Lokar want Omnigul's hurts. death? a gift me your death. Yeah. Interesting. So, but that... So, now, we don't... So, now, moving forward, we don't know what Omnigul's answer was to this. But, <laughs> man, that poses a crazy... Concept here that if Omnigul's death is hidden in Lokar, Omnigul didn't die until we defeat Lokar in the Court of Oryx. Mm-hmm. Uh, the news on. My son Crota came to me saying, this nameless thing moves sideways. I chased her and she fled. Kill her now. Dad! <laughs> yeah. This is... Oh. Dad! Dad! Another lady attacked my girlfriend! <laughs> Your dad, <laughs> uh, which Oryx clearly did not do, so I raised her <laughs> to my court. And I named her <laughs> Lokar, which means "not there." Thus, my son was rebuked against simplicity. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, I, I love that. It's just another example of you know, almost you know, this is this is his way of showing love in a way, and it's like it's like re- rebuking and. He comes yeah. to him saying, kill, kill her. He's like, so I put her in my court, my high <laughs> <Yeah>. war.
3: <laughs> like, wait. And this ties back to, so it says, you know, thus my son was rebuked against simplicity. And if you go all the way back, you know, to Thalnok, uh, mm-hmm. it says that he is, he's simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe a lesson that Thalnok might not have learned. Like, don't Don't be stupid. Cora, come on. <clears throat> Then we have Alzok Dal, Gornok Dal, and Zyrok Doll. Uh, and yeah, the, their mechanic is easily explained, but there's a this use they have. It says, Before my daughters, I saw Alzok lead her sisters through the eye, saying, Death will be our coven. With black fire and gray blade, Gornok consecrated their singing, they cut their deaths away. So to me, this means that. And again, this goes back to sort of like the scalpel of Savathun, uh, you know, witches and wizards come from Savathun originally, uh, but they seem to use the death song here to, to slice their deaths away from themselves rather than to kill everything around them. So they use it to extract their own deaths from themselves, uh. To Zyrok, I said, show me the place where you have hidden your death. I am Oryx, your lord. Oryx, my lord, she said, we have hidden our deaths in each other so that we will never be alone. Uh, So that explains the mechanic where you have to defeat all of them quickly within sort of a time frame of each other. Because if one is left alive, it protects the death of her sister who can then come Mm -hmm. back you know and then her death protects the other sister who can then come back so you're always stuck with three of them if you don't kill them all very quickly there it's like a contained cycle of immortality
2: yeah and that just shows like it's what it, what that could mean for other people that we know that have like was it the the um the daughters who have hidden their deaths yes um Balwar who has hidden her who had hidden her death like we don't know where they hit their deaths, which yeah. very likely means they aren't dead.
3: I mean, it may not be explained in the books, but, like, what's the possibility that Oryx, like, before they all broke from each other, that they made a pact? That the, the reason they got so far away from each other, uh, Jivu, Arath, Savathun, and Oryx, was because that they hid their deaths in one another. And they knew that by being mm-hmm. close, they risked all their deaths. Mm-hmm. So if Oryx's death is hidden in Jivu Arath, and Jivu Arath is still alive, and Jivu Arath's death is hidden in Savathun, and Savathun is still alive, then you know Oryx could still be yeah. around.
2: And and we know that Savathun did something; she accomplished her goal, whatever that was. Yes, and we, then she left. So we don't. You know, maybe that what she accomplished was her hiding her death in her siblings or or even hiding their deaths somehow. She might have been able to figure out how to hide their deaths in her or something, and that's why she left, knowing that her survival meant their survival.
3: And that takes us down to Vorlog, the biggest joke in the Court of Warwick's. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) One raised letter blade to the face. Oh, man, I love (laughs) fighting Vorlog. He
3: is... (laughs) I mean, I get it mechanically. Oh, here's your introduction to the Court of Warwick's. Oh, it's I don't I don't even know if I know what his mechanic is because I've never not killed him it, in his like shields ten change. seconds. <laughs> but yeah,
1: you you'd never know
2: it. Yeah. He's he's the yeah, the cabal dude on the prison of Elders. Oh Yeah. yeah. His okay. every time his shields come up, it's a different uh elemental.
3: Man, he just gets run over every time he appears. <coughs> yeah. Uh, ah Vorlog, delight of delights. You killed my celebrants and you gave their deaths to me. So the the only celebrant of Oryx that we ever encounter is the the knight who guards. He stands just outside the entrance to Rasputin on the Forgotten Shore to the Rasputin bunker. Uh, and man, if you are not, if you're like, I encountered him by mistake when I was playing through my character in the PlayStation version because they're still so light level. But that dude's a beast. Like he, he is no joke. <laughs> like if you run in there when you are not the c- proper level, that guy will wreck you. Uh, preaching I have seen the truth in bronze glass space Uh, I don't know if that is a reference to the Rasputin bunkers Uh, to me I think I think more vex just because of the glass me too reference and the vex are described in the books of sorrow as being brassy so I mean the brass and bronze are very similar yeah So I wonder if sort of like Vorlog here has had encounters with the Vex. Uh, The shape is the only god. Exquisite Vorlog. Your strength was manifold. It was knight strength. Mastery of armaments and techniques. It was a wizard's strength. Uh, The use of arcana. Praise Vorlog. General and pragmatist. So I think this is a reference to his the shields changing uh, and the elements of his, his attacks changing. And we have Vorlog. Listen, your name means less than me. I define it thus. Uh, note, it doesn't say doesn't mean less than Oryx. It means less than <laughs> me. So anybody who's directly addressing him, he is less than. Uh, which makes sense with how quickly and easily he is just rocked in the court. Uh, and that's the majority of the Court of Oryx. Like those are the those are the tiers. They're summoned with the runes. You know, you tier ones charge tier twos, tier twos charge tier threes, and then you calcified fragments from the tier threes and alter from other combinations. But uh, I, I mean, I still love Court of Oryx. It's fantastic. Whenever I'm running low on armor parts, I just go in there with an empty inventory mm-hmm. and and just burn through runes uh swords are amazing in the court of oryx uh you get to fight with weapons i feel like you don't normally get to fight with like i have a whole court of oryx build for my characters which is way more sort of like hand cannon and sidearm centric with a sword you know rather than trying to rely on sniper rifles at my trusty uh hung jury (laughs) just because fight i love the fighting in close quarters and just there's so many enemies everywhere and you just get to go nuts and really throw off off like tons of supers and grenades and when you have a group of people in there, everybody's feeding each other orbs and I wish those fights lasted longer than they did just because the mayhem involved in them. Uh, But yeah, that's the Court of Oryx. And so all those members of the court sort of tied their light upwards to Oryx. They were like a supply line of light. Uh, So by destroying the court, we really did a number on Oryx's ability to to maintain the, uh, tithing to him. Right.
1: And one, one of the theories is by reclaiming light and defeating the court, we essentially, we didn't kill him as much as his own worm devoured him. Yes. Yeah. So my wife would like to go to sleep. Okay. Which means I need to rescind my bedside table that I record on. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, all right. For this week, I think this is where I will leave you
3: guys. Sounds good. We're gonna jump right. into the Taken. I think a little bit, and then yeah. I mean, a lot of these pages, like I just named like every named. <laughs> yeah. Take it. So the as long, as, as, long as, this, yeah, as long as this yeah as <laughs> long as this seems it's not really that long. Uh but we'll probably. Touch on the take a little bit and then touch on King's Fall a little bit. So,
1: And we do, I don't know if you guys remember, I mean, we, we touched on King's Fall quite a bit in one of, was it the Toland episode? Yes, we did. So to any listeners who are new to us, if you go back to when we talked Toland, we, we went pretty in-depth on King's Fall back then. Yeah, which
2: oh. we may need to retouch on Toland later too, because that was a, a pretty short Toland episode. Very cool.
3: <laughs> well, we brought him up and I think in almost every episode since. Yeah, it's true.
1: <laughs> All right. I might be lingering in the notes, but vocally, this is where I will leave you. All, All right. right. So see you. Thanks, baby. guys. Yeah, see you later. later.
3: Uh but yeah, that leads us into the taken. So the uh the Grimoire card is a conversation between Ikora and Eris about the Taken. Uh, a line here that's important, that will be important later, is this process is simple. An aperture opens like a jaw and swallows a living thing. It passes into another place. Later, it returns. That mention of an aperture opening like a jaw is something we're going to talk about when we get down to the the gear and weapons from the raid, <clears throat> because it directly connects to the kill of stone
2: yeah and then she also mentioned something interesting where she says you know oryx wields this power but oryx did not make it we face the same flower we met in the black garden and so it just you know a tie there to you know the, the blights and everything like that to that what we fight in the black garden yeah so it's, it's a very interesting tie there
3: it's strange for i highlighted this part because Ikora says, is this power blind, just a natural energy that Oryx discovered? I cannot believe it. Why wouldn't she? It's the darkness, darling. you It's the opposite of what we wield. Like, why does she have such a hard time with that?
2: <laughs> well, then something else just while we're kind of talking about that is something we learned from the release. What we were told during the ride along was... That, the, you know, the darkness is, it's a substance. It's not yeah. just the absence of light, but it's, it's an actual substance. That's something kind of cool.
3: <laughs> and another, so then we have, I dream about what happens on the inside. I dream about what might happen. Are the victims devoured and then replaced by simulcara, simulants, uh, hussed out and filled up? Is some mathematical operation conducted on them, translating them from one shape to another? Uh, you have weird dreams Ikora. <laughs> what would i see if i leapt inside what would happen to a guardian is that how we end this all of us leaping into the dark to fill it up with light which is that is we know ikora has sort of like these ability to sort of predict and see the future she's has touches on other realms things speak to her this is almost kind of like a terrifying prospect in terms of your game mechanic. <laughs> uh, where it's like, if we encountered a being like an essence of darkness and the only way you could kill it was to like repeatedly jump into it over and over <laughs> again and kill yourself. But, uh, or the idea that like thousands of guardians would have to sacrifice themselves to fill up, you know, a void with light, you know, rather than fighting it. The only way we can defeat it is by sacrificing ourselves to To change it, uh, <clears throat> there's the taken war cards here. I mean, a lot of the stuff you can is easy to read too. Uh, the mm-hmm. only reason I put some of this stuff here is because it doesn't make any sense in the game. Uh, so, like the last transmission of Vanguard Outpost IS four on Venus. Where is this Vanguard Outpost? What is I? this happened, this is happening in real time while we're playing the game, the new guardian age. Uh, this is about the fallen being taken. Where is this outpost? (laughs) I've, I've been all over Venus inside and out. (laughs) And I have not, this, this outpost is more well hidden than Atheon. (laughs) Uh, and it's the same with the next one where there's two characters talking, uh, a guy named Anzani, and a guy named Threndon Pell, who's a com tech. Maybe they work at this Vanguard outpost? Again, where? Mm-hmm. Uh, I also happen to think that these guys might be awoken. The card reads, or the entry for it, it reads, <clears throat> Hey Anzani, I'm detecting, you know what, never mind. I swear that frame is losing it. What? Oh, it's nothing. It keeps reporting an intermittent signal from the flagship signal band out near Saturn. It's a comms ghost, that's all. I've done a dozen scans. There's nothing out there. Uh, So they're detecting a signal on a flagship signal band, but they can't actually find what it is that's sending the signal. Uh, The only reason I think it's awoken is because of the use of the term flagship. The tower doesn't have flagships. The Cabal do But I don't know why they'd be able to Be picking up Cabal's signal bands uh, But the Awoken have Flagships out there out as, And especially out near Saturn uh, And Zani and Threndon Pell These names do not appear anywhere else In all of Destiny just in this one entry So who knows who these folks are Now I have to add them to my list of Master <laughs> proper names <laughs> Uh, And I wish Beta didn't have to jump off, because then we have the Taken Champions Grimoire card, which is one of the real big mysteries that we have lying around. Like, there's a lot of speculation, there's a lot of potential pathways that we've encountered so far. This card is an actual, straight-up mystery. Uh, so this card reads, <clears throat> Do not come looking for me. I have slain the last three assassins, Arik. I will slay all who follow, all who would remove me from my lair, the Taken. Such a terrible word. Gifted, we should call them. Blessed. Cleansed. The Taken carry true power. And what do those of my order seek? Understanding is power. Power is understanding. We have always sought purchase beyond our skies, beyond reach of the dead god that hangs in our sky, beyond the reach of a terrible enemy. I have seen the enemy's face, but that dying thrall was no monster. It was an ecstasy. I felt the power as my knife bit home. I heard their song. For just a moment. I will hear it again. Oryx is the truth, and I will have it. Yeah. Uh, That
2: sounds a lot like uh, Toland, and then even at times, Osiris.
3: Well, there's another possibility here. (laughs) Let's hear it. So, well, we know an Arak is a leader of Dead Orbit. And mm-hmm, so the true. dead orbit references are in here a bit. We don't. This may not be our uh, Arok Jalal. This could be one of the other Aroks. They they're out there. Uh, what do those of my order seek? Understanding is power. Power is understanding. That's the very definition of a warlock. Mm-hmm. So now we may be talking. Although that knife line. So, we have, we have always sought purchase beyond our skies, which leads me to believe that this person is also a member of Dead Orbit. So, now we have a Dead Orbit warlock. Uh, the dead god that hangs in our sky is the Traveler. Uh, their song is the Death Song. So, I felt the power powers my knife bit home could also mean hunter. So, now we have Dead Orbit. We have a warlock but also maybe a hunter who is obviously studying or idolizes the taken as higher level beings that they have been simplified. They've been cleansed that oryx is the truth. And this person wants power. Uh, all those things. And I hate to say it (laughs) point (laughs) directly to Dredgen Yor.
2: I think Gab just slapped you from his <laughs> sleep or
3: whatever he's doing.
2: <laughs> uh no, it's, you know, it's, it's it's pretty cool. It's like the, the twelve degrees of Kevin Bacon's Yeah. You know, the twelve degrees of Dredge and Lore.
3: So yeah, this could be Toland. Uh you know, wanting to hear the song again absolutely is Toland. Uh I don't know that Toland was so hardcore in Oryx being the truth.
2: Yeah. And, uh and then, it didn't really seem like Toland necessarily had an order. Yeah. He kind of went on his own, which that's what kind of looked out to Osiris a little bit, but then Osiris is more, I don't know. Yeah.
3: The other big thing here is, uh, and I hate to, again, I hate to bring up the your thing. On the Thorn Grimoire cards, there's a warlock wielding thorn. That warlock is wearing a Dead Orbit faction bond. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this card could, is probably just here to cause people like us great mental anxiety <laughs> trying to figure it out. Yep. Uh, but there's a lot of interpretations here. Uh, so whether this is Toland... Which it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it speaks in the voice of Toland to me. Uh, But yeah, there's the whole, you know, Junior, Who knows? Signs point in all directions.
2: Definitely a big mystery there.
3: Yeah. So this is a great. This is a great (laughs) mystery that's sort of like inserted in there. This. I mean, this card has nothing to do with Taken Champions. It has everything to do with this weird little mystery. Uh, And the other mystery I have here is Mallock so there's two items devoted to malloc there's the grasp of malloc uh and there's the hood of malloc grasp of malloc is a pulse rifle and the hood of malloc is a hunter helmet that i don't believe is available in the game uh i lucked out when i was running on the ps4 version the very first time i did the Omnigul strike as part of the story mission i got a grasp <laughs> of malloc the gun is awesome That's awesome <laughs> Uh, the description is dutiful Maloch. Many offerings of light did he make at the shrines of Oryx. Uh, and then I made a note here that when Oryx drains our light, it's a technique called grasp of the king. And this weapon is called the grasp of Maloch. Hmm. Then the hood of Maloch says, it's like they say, pride goeth before the fall this used to have a different name. It used to be the Helm of Crowlock, and it was changed to the Hood of Malok. So it could be sort of developing this Malok character in the background. Uh, if you look at the helm itself, you can see the jaws of either a knight or an acolyte in the lower part, and then it looks like <laughs> someone just tore the top plate straight off, and you exposed, like, the veins and weird things underneath. Uh, so it doesn't say here that malloc necessarily is dead i mean other than the fact that the helmet could be his head but there's there's not much more about malloc we know so maybe we'll learn more about him in the future <laughs> uh and then we have this gigantic list i made <laughs> of all the taken enemies uh all these cards follow the same beats uh There's the the description of what the enemy is before they're taken, the line, you have been taken. Then there is the sort of like gentle coercing of Oryx on why they should let go of what they used to be and how Oryx will redefine them uh, with their new shape. So uh, the Scion card confirms that They're bolted onto the cabal hierarchy. That the scions are not part of the cabal species. They are like a a claimed race that the the cabal use, uh, which is again is repeated again in the nothing will ever nothing will enslave you ever again. Uh, Which is sort of that is that is how Oryx sort of seduces a scion into becoming taken a bit uh be still your endless vigilance is done nothing will enslave you ever again uh, your mind is a weapon the world breaks when you think so again it's not that he takes anything and forces it to be taken he very much just sort of like crawls into their brain and exploits their their weaknesses and offers them an alternative to it uh
2: it's like a it's not forced but it's you
3: know coercion
2: yeah coercion you know it's it's almost it's interestingly kind of similar to what the the traveler did with the ghosts now with us it's like we don't since we don't know our past and all we have is kind of what's in front of us it's like we're not forced to be be guardians necessarily but yeah it's you know what other choices there
3: well, there's a choice to stay sleeping in the pod, like yeah, the dude. <laughs> uh, and then all these go on to describe, again, sort of like, you have been taken. You know, here's this one thing that defined you. Allow me to help mm-hmm. you redefine it. Uh, so for the phalanx, your shield becomes a weapon. Uh, there's a knife for you shaped like retaliation, which is the making the shield an offensive weapon. Uh, the Centurions, which have those stupid Axion darts.
2: <laughs> God. Yeah, it's there. You must always be sure there's another threat. There's a knife for you. It is shaped like it will find you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and find you it does.
3: Well, that's great. So that's talking about the weakness. You know, The weakness is uh, your unit depends on you. You guide them with your sensors. With your weapons, you crack the enemy's strength and lead them in disarray. But you cannot control everything. The enemy can see your command. An enemy can claim the strong ground and move forward from cover to kill you first. Uh, so the weakness of the centurion is that it is the leadership position on a cabal team, and by virtue of being leader, they themselves make themselves a target. So, gotta always make sure that there's something else to distract whatever's aiming its gun at you.
2: Yeah, mm, I I read that line and kind of made me laugh the first time I read it because on the uh, uh Tark strike. I would always, you know, I, I whenever it was like the solar burn or back mm-hmm. in year one when nightfalls were actually difficult, and I would <laughs> jump on those little—I uh, don't even know what they are—like up in the up on top of the touch of the roof where you could just kind of jump inside and hide. And so I'd claim the, claim the strong ground, and I would just kind of like crouch forward Yo, through, yeah, yeah, to yeah. peek through that little crack to kill him. Cover. <laughs> so I read that and it I, it resonated with me. It's <laughs> exactly how I killed him.
3: So and we know that Oryx Light's taking Centurions mm-hmm. Bracchus Shogurn Show Aluth, Horror of Oryx Ta'an, the Hand of Oryx and Vol Run, Fist of Oryx Ta'an is the one that is taken uh, in Enemy of My Enemy that mission when uh, Ghost says Oryx just recruited a Centurion and then we see him again alongside Bax who is the other hand of orcs. Uh, Then we have the Fallen, uh, the Vandals. Dregs are named specifically, but there are no Taken Dregs. (laughs) You are a Vandal. Uh, You slip through life like a thief, trying to hide from everything greater than you, lest you be reduced again to a Dreg.
2: Yeah, it's it's just interesting there, because we don't see any Taken Dregs, and it's... It's almost like dregs are so far down on the on the chain. The, yeah. On the chain there that even Oryx doesn't want them <laughs> after anything to do with him.
3: Which is funny because he'll take thralls, but yeah. not even dregs. Like Yeah. Uh so yeah, this knife is for you. It is shaped like this place is mine. That's the sort of ward of darkness that they use.
2: Are, are they are just thinking are there taken thrall?
3: Yes, there are. There are. They move laterally very quickly. They're so annoying. Okay. <clears throat> there's only two there's only two. Like there's two enemies, uh two taken enemies in the fallen, vandals and captains. I think everybody has a such a like deep rooted hatred of the captains <laughs> for their stupid <laughs> screaming blind balls. But uh
2: oh, yeah, I remember
3: <clears throat> now. Couldn't picture them for a second. But also you know, of the enemies we encounter, we know that orcs cannot take machines, which means that two major fallen enemies, Servitors and Shanks, can't be taken. So, all we, all we get is captains and vandals, but the captains mm-hmm. more than make up for that crap. Pardon my language. Uh, <laughs> just because I was hunting uh, Drivix, not Drivix, uh, Grayris, the Baroness, on Venus. Mm-hmm. And when she comes in, she summons more captains with her, and if you, if you stagger her too much, you get into a pattern where every captain plus her is throwing those blind balls at you, and it's like a Ugh. steady stream, and you can never move. You're just pinned down constantly. Ugh. Uh, so frustrating. Yeah. It says, if you cannot hide yourself, you must make them blind. There is a knife for you. It is shaped like you cannot find me. And that's the stupid blind bubble. I hate that ability. Ugh.
2: Yeah. And there's another uh, captain, this uh, er- uh lost to Oryx. Yep. Which is a Skywatch. interesting one because that's one uh, when I was researching for like, the, um, the roof wars and things like that, that this uh, actually fought in the reef wars and oh, was a, a big uh, thorn in the side to the reef was kind of resolved to a uh, kind of like guerrilla warfare. It kind of would just do these little guerrilla attacks against the, the reef and the, the fallen or not the fallen, the awoken and and so then Petra comments, you know, can't imagine the, uh, <laughs> basically how annoying or how uh, useful they'll be with, uh, as a taken with Oryx.
3: (laughs) So, and then we have, there's two, we have Falsec lost to Oryx and we have Rixori lost to Oryx. So we have two captains with the title lost to Oryx. And I mentioned the notes here that uh, they were lost to the traveler and became fallen. And then they were lost to Oryx as well. And became dead. Yeah. Then Drivix, the chosen is the dude you fight with black spindle.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: uh gray wrist just has the subtitle baroness you fight her in the ishtar cliffs uh and then koforis devil captain is somebody who appears in the fallen saber strike depending on which enemies attack you uh on the heroic version yes. <laughs> you Nice. Know, the vex and oryx the card for the goblin sort of confirms here your first purpose is to build to alter the material world so it can think. Uh, And this just reinforces that the Vex are a race of architects, not fighters. Like, their job is to construct things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, as your second purpose is to eliminate threats to building. So, really, the Vex' primary function is to build. Uh, And we see this in all the Vex cards. Uh, this, these only appear in the Vex cards after the line you have been taken. Uh, worship this a-causal environment. It is the only adaptive response. Uh, so for the goblins, it's devote yourself to the construction of the final shape. For the, uh, the other ones, it's slightly different. But this is or, it is the only adaptive response. Uh and that seems to be Oryx saying, like this is the only logical course of action. Uh, to follow my will is the only mm-hmm. the only course of action that makes sense, uh, which makes sense for the this sort of machine oriented race like the vex. Uh, and then, yeah, direct violence is wasteful. <laughs> this is it's that inf- infuriating friendship shield. mm mm-hmm.
2: And it's it's interesting that in re- redefining, you know, he takes the the uh, shielded cabals and takes a defensive unit and then turns them you know, offensive, and then takes this offensive goblin vex and turns it into a defensive yeah. unit.
3: So it's kind of interesting. I hate when they. Because they shield, like, whatever is closest to them. But when they shield a champion, when you're trying to take them out, oh, it's so aggravating. <laughs> uh, next is the Hobgoblins. Uh, your first purpose is to provide energy to channel power where it is needed for thought. And then your second purpose is to eliminate threats to that thought. So it's, the Hobgoblins are sort of like the energy batteries of the Vex. The Goblins are the, the builders. The Hobgoblins provide the energy to do the building. Uh, and again, worship this a causal environment. It is the only adaptive response. Mm-hmm. Uh, your function makes your priority target. You will be equipped for retaliation. So, like this is the when you destroy a a hobgoblin, take a hobgoblin, they fire those three void shots at you. Yeah,
4: just a nightmare
3: in this week's nightfall, <laughs> <laughs> or last week's. By the time this episode comes out. Then there's the Minotaurs. You are a walking foundry. Your first purpose is to think about construction, folding space and time into the design. Your second purpose is to eliminate threats to that design.
2: Yeah, that's kind of interesting because it almost puts the Minotaur kind of in the same plane as the uh, the uh, the like the Raveller daughter. Yes, because um, it's they're constructing reality basically. They're, you know, folding space and time into the design of whatever they're building. Like, they're rebuilding the universe.
3: (laughs) So then I also have Harpies and uh, Hydras on here. So there's no actual entry for Taken Hydras, but we do encounter one in Paradox. We fight Morphon, the Blighted Mind. Uh, The other Taken, like that we fight are like the blighted descendant are huge minotaurs, but the Hydra's Morphon's unique in the vault. And then there's the idea of the harpies that the Gorgons existed long before we were introduced to taken King and they very much look like taken harpies. Hmm. Uh, so what the relationship there is, we don't really know, uh, but it's certainly possible. Uh, that you know if we, if the inevitability of the vault was to fall to the taken and the harpies have the ability to or the gorgons have the ability to erase people from time like maybe they're from a timeline where that sort of outcome already occurred uh and we're pulled into the vault by atheon for that variability
2: yeah yeah i'm just i just pulled them up and they look exactly like a taken yeah <laughs> that's crazy
3: so there's just probably some link there between the uh, the gorgons and the Taken that we have not necessarily. We don't. We don't. Gorgons are not encountered anywhere other than the vault. Like even when you take the the long way through Paradox and you go all the way down, sort of into the inevitability, the Taken Vault itself, with the Blighted Descendant and all those Taken down there, there are no gorgons. Like their their power is unique and their appearance is unique to the Vault and then we go on to the hive we have the thrall you are a numberless spawn of the hive shrieking and expendable one pebble in an avalanche and I said yet orcs will take these over dregs <laughs> Too dregs can't cut a break nope <clears throat> uh, there's a knife for you it's shaped like sideways and then they do that, those crazy sideways motions uh, I didn't go into a lot of detail. I mean, knights, acolytes. Uh, these are the most, I think, the most taken that we encounter just because there's so many to draw from in the uh, within the ranks of mm-hmm. the hive. Uh, for the acolyte, uh, the shape is not alone, and that's the little turret eye that it creates. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the knight. The knight's interesting because in the description of the knight, Uh, It says, you betray the sword logic. You compromise the totality of your violence. Why protect your ground when you could take the enemies? And that's in reference to the darkness shield that the knights can create. Oh, yeah. Uh, So creating, they wield the sword, but then they create the shield. And that orcs considers that a betrayal of the sword logic uh, by compromising their own totality of violence. But like every knight uses that. Like even the sword bearers from the old dark below patrols who are like haha the blades of Crota in fading they use those shields too. Mm-hmm. So it's you know knights are really essential to the high of hierarchy but they don't follow the sword logic according to Oryx at least. Uh, and then turn your guard into a weapon. There is a knife for you, shaped like no more fear, and that is that flame attack and that's exactly what happens. you know why protect your ground when you could take the enemies and that flame attack just like coats the ground in fire and forces you to move to a different position mm-hmm. so there's tons of taken knights tons uh, and some really important characters are also are taken knights. I mentioned them later on down here, but uh like Ekthkar, the Sword of Oryx from the Purifying the Blade mission. Uh, Darnu, Horn of Oryx, which is one that appears in The Divide. There's all the ones that appear when you sort of pop those void bombs when mm-hmm. you're patrolling the Dreadnought. Sugoth, the one you never fight because it vanishes the second, you, <laughs> the second you start Kings of Decay. There's that whole conversation about Sugoth, the T is silent, and then you never actually fight him. Uh, Cyrock, the word of Oryx. Citrock, the banner of Oryx. Uh, the most obscure one is probably Morgath, the lore keeper, which is from the, the alternate version of the undying mind strike. Uh,
2: we'd like to meet him. Maybe we can get him on for an interview.
3: Well, he's dead now. (laughs) Dang (laughs) it. Uh, then there's wizards, uh, Again, what logic do you obey? What theory guides your incisions? Terrible magic. Yada, yada, yada. There is a knife for you, shaped like Call Forth the Numberless. And that's the little Shadow Thrall. There's tons of Taken wizards, too. Uh, Including some ones that are strangely named. Like uh, Thishik, Matron of Oryx. And Zyrak, Daughter of Oryx. Uh, So Matron of Oryx... This is from the Blighted Coven mission. Matron of Oryx seems to imply that this could be one of the wizards that Oryx used to spawn his horde. We've talked in the past how we do not know who the mother wizard of Crota, Ir Anuk, and Ir Halak are. Uh, We posit, I think, that that could be who Nokris is, Uh, one of many possibilities. Or that could be who's buried in the Cathedral of Dusk. Uh, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. But here we have an actual wizard that's you know the Matron of Oryx. And then we have, in that same coven, we have the, a wizard called the Daughter of Oryx. Which is interesting. Uh, and there's also a uh, Mysic, Daughter of Oryx. So that coven is one Matron of Oryx and two Daughters. Maybe they just took that name. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? Interesting. Uh, And then we have one taken ogre in the game, which is Bax, the Hand of Oryx, who used to be Bax, the Gravekeeper, who guarded Crota's soul crystal remains. Uh, And then Oryx takes him, because an Eris is not even Oryx can control an ogre unless it's taken. Yeah. And that doesn't... I mean, that's the quick sort of... Quick wrap up of the Taken, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm thinking.
2: Well, I know, extra said we're and Beta said we're not having a wrap up part two. Maybe we'll have a uh, yeah. King's Fall part one.
3: Yeah, we're pushing two hours here, so maybe we should save King's Fall for its own thing. Yeah,
2: do like a King's Fall, and then we can talk about the the Crucible maps a little bit.
3: Yeah, I can't wait, man. To once you dig into the King's Fall lore. God, the war priest is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh he's so mm-hmm. cool.
2: Yeah, cuz there's just so much stuff there like I wouldn't want to just quickly skip through it all to yeah. try to finish it same like, there's, with, like there, there's some cool stuff in there. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so we'll we'll leave this off. We'll do a King's Fall episode that'll be fun. Nice. Yeah. Uh and we'll, we'll give we'll, it some we'll,
2: spit time. We won't we won't do that next week. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it yeah. some time. But we will come back.
3: <laughs> uh and what else Yeah, cuz there's all this stuff is Is Dreadnought and King's Fall related? Yeah, yeah. I have a. I mean, I have lists here of all the things you can scan. Uh, A couple days ago, I did. I booted up Regicide, and I was like, "I'm going to break Regicide again." Uh, I did it once by jumping places you're not supposed to jump. Uh, but then I so I jumped into Regicide. I started running around and I found all these different things to scan. I found that like the court of Oryx is not poisonous when you run regicide and no other people will be loaded into your instance. Cause technically you're in a mission. So other yeah. people won't be around and you're sort of like free to really explore. So I'd made a list of all the scannable items and stuff like that, but I probably save that for another episode or a ride along. Who knows? Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.
2: Yeah. Well, Hey, there's yeah, people in our fan chat. Love that idea. When we oh, X ray I think threw it out there so something we were talking about
3: <clears throat> all right so we'll cut it there uh oh man i promised somebody i'd talk about sardok eye of Oryx.
2: let's let's hit him up we'll we'll close on sardok how's that
3: okay so there's two yeah cuz this i don't know why this is down here i'm gonna i'm not gonna move it but i'm just gonna put it where it is <clears throat> so uh we encounter stuff Oryx stuff uh really early in the game uh, so there's One faction is the Blood of Oryx. I talked about these, I think, in the last uh, episode. Uh, You can find them in Skywatch. You can find them in the Shrines of Oryx. They're the sort of, like, purplish-red-colored hive. They are considered the Blood of Oryx, like, direct members of his brood. Uh, They're also the primary hive you fight during the Will of Crota strike. They're guarding Omnigul in the Jovian complex, uh, which makes sense. So if Omnigul was responsible for creating the spawn of Crota, uh, you know, it would make sense that she is being guarded by Oryx's blood, especially given the destruction. Because that, in the timeline, the Omnigul strike happens after Crota is destroyed. Uh, the Celebrant of Oryx, we talked about, the who Guard's RAS-2 bunker. Uh, he's part of the blood of Oryx, I, although I think he's yellow. Uh, Mm-hmm. technically he's considered part of the blood of oryx and the protector of the will who is the <laughs> dude that everyone <laughs> skips in the Omnigul strike <laughs> because as you leave the Fortnite. you leave the complex as you run into the base of that cedar to go fight Omnigul. like he appears for a split second <laughs> i think there was even a penny arcade comic about how everyone runs right past that guy <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <clears throat> And that name, Protector of the Will, comes directly from Omnigul's (laughs) title as the Will of Crota. Uh, And then Sardok, Eye of Oryx. So Sardok is the gigantic knight that guards the shrine of Oryx on the moon uh, in the Temple of Crota. Uh, His card reads, Until the darkness reigns, the eyes must never close. Sardok's mad devotion is at an end. There are whispers of shrines to the fabled Oryx peppered across the entire system. Stories tell of waking nightmares, protectors of bone and fury towering over these prized chambers. Uh, And then the Shrines of Oryx card reads, Though Osiris has vanished, his prophecies and parables offer undeniable insight. Even in his time among the vanguard, he spoke with the fear of a king named Oryx. His eyes still hunt for the shrines. If Osiris lives, we know that you've struck a blow against one. And that's Master Rahul speaking. Uh, so Sardok wasn't taken. He's just a a dude. Uh, he's not even part of the blood of Oryx, I think. He's he's yellow. He's a giant yellow dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this Painting is Matt mad devotion at an as at an end uh he wasn't taken just really loyal uh says there whispers of shrines the fabled oryx peppered across the entire system we've only found one we only know that one in the moon uh which means there could be shrines of oryx on earth uh on mercury on venus like all over we've never found any of them and if stories really do tell of waking nightmares uh then there could be more sort of Sardox out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I highlight as protectors of bone and fury because in Osiris's vision forty-seven, he specifically says the second comes in bones, tithe's offering feasts, carrying laws, a path torn, minds shattered, which I I've always considered to be about the Hive and the Taken, uh, and we also know that. Varix calls the hive bone walkers. So it's mm-hmm. another, another reference to the hives and bones. Uh, and then this line from the Shrines of Oryx, his, ha- his eyes still hunt for the shrines. I believe this to be the eyes of Osiris hunt for the shrines, not the eyes of Oryx. They're already there. So, but this sets up this the eyes of Oryx guard the shrines and the eyes of Osiris hunt for the shrines.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting too that eyes there is
3: capitalized.
2: It's like, okay, what does Osiris have? What are the eyes of Osiris?
3: So, but these are two great references. The blood of Oryx, uh, that grimoire card is part of Original Destiny, I believe, and Sardok, Eye of Oryx, that card is from a uh, original Destiny uh Vanilla. Mm-hmm. So you two really tightly sort of wound references to Oryx. Uh, and that that Shrines of Oryx mission is like the second or third one on the moon. Mm-hmm. That happens very quickly. So you know Oryx has been seeded into the game for a really long time. Uh and even, you know, Crota, son of Oryx, which got his whole expansion unto himself you know oryx has been around from the very beginning of destiny so it's not like he was a new villain thrust upon us uh, and you don't have to look farther than the sardoc to see that yeah cool all right that'll do it uh we'll do we'll do king's fall on its its own thing which will be super fun i can't wait to do that yeah
2: yeah maybe a, a raid along
3: <laughs> i'd love to do a raid along man on on king's fall
2: X-Ray can point out all the rocks he finds
3: interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I've played... I think I've done, I've done King's Fall with every member of the podcast team. Uh, yeah. We had Scooby with us for a hard mode run. You and I have definitely done it. I've done it with Gabble. Oh, maybe I haven't done it with X-Ray. X-Ray, I can't remember. X-ray we need you on, on King's Fall. I need you to throw trip mines at Oryx.
0: <laughs> I'm here and we ran together, man. Long time ago.
3: All right. Well good. Well, there we go. That's all six. Now we gotta do yeah, it all together. together. Yep. We're pretty balanced. Yeah, what I introduced
0: do we introduced you some of my, my other my real friends. We weren't really <laughs> real friends back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was really early on when we started the podcast we ran it.
3: That gives oh, that's gonna be tough though for three hunters, two warlocks and one Titan. What? It's all right. Ba- I, I, Beta's going to hold down middle strategy by himself. <laughs> it's all right.
2: I, I can grab a Titan. It's all good. I'm used to it. <laughs> and, all
3: right, yeah. cool. That that, that, that does it for uh, episode 17. Our wrap-up episode ended up being just as long as our regular Books of Sorrow yeah. episode, and we still didn't get through it all.
2: <laughs> we, we can say we wrapped up Books of Sorrow. That's true. And now we're going to... the the. Uh, present or king's fall technically yes. is i guess
3: yeah so and i was sorry, thinking so. that when we were <laughs> when i was writing these notes I'm like man we haven't done like a hive devoted episode and some of this is dovetailing into that yeah uh so, and so, then, so the wrap-up
2: we can say is we'll, we'll say wrap up's complete
3: yeah <laughs> so don't expect another books of sorrow episode Mm-mm. Uh, we got through a huge chunk of it. I'm still debating whether or not I should try and edit <clears throat> all five of them into one, like 10 and a half hour episode. So any, anyone on a long flight can listen <laughs> to the whole thing at once.
2: Uh, yeah, I've been telling people I had a, a friend who just kind of started listening and uh, she was like, Oh, I'm on episode four. I was like, Oh, okay, skip to I think episode 10 and then go to 13. <laughs> I was like, do, them all, do all the books of sorrow in order. It'll be better, I promise.
3: And she's like, All right, cool. But, all right. So, uh thanks for listening everyone. If you got any more questions, we're we'll probably going to do a questions episode soon. So, feel free to keep throwing us questions even about books of sorrow stuff. I love diving into these this topic. It's one of my favorites. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. You know, there's obviously there's some things we don't know. Um you know, kind of back to with the earlier question about the, the Leviathan, you know, we don't have any more information than what's right there. You know, if we get more, we'd love to we'll dive into it deeper. But, uh, but yeah, but keep, yeah, keep asking questions. We'll clear up whatever we can and we don't know. We'll, we'll let you know.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I haven't said much, but I've been sitting here kind of in a daze and, and (laughs) enjoying my, uh, my medicine that I'm taking right now. So thanks so much for joining us. And it's been another fun one. Uh, can't wait to, to get into Something else. Do we know what we're doing next week? Do you we want to talk about that yet, or are we just gonna kinda of keep it a secret?
3: Uh well we still have the War Minds and Rasputin to wrap up. Uh Beta put a lot of work uh into those those notes. So mm-hmm. uh, something we still gotta explore a little bit. Uh and then we I think we got some good stuff planned for April, as for the rest of March. And eh, we maybe some surprises in there. We may do something. I know that we've had a lot of people asking us to do factions.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> so and, we. Uh, I was gonna say Beta teased out that he was doing some research on some fallen stuff. Oh uh, yeah. We had that's a, right. and, and we yeah. had a few. Uh, we had a few people asking about that recently too. So. Yeah. Well,
3: our conversation with John Ryan was pretty inspiring when it comes to uh, fallen lore. So. Right. Right. Hitting hitting them pretty hard. We'll get that all <laughs> unraveled. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure the Maraade may end up like Books of Sorrow where it takes us 5 episodes to do oh, it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a it's a piece of work, man. It it's so yeah. good though. So,
3: I think we're trying to get nice. some of those some some little one-off episodes out there. So, we'll we'll wrap up the War Minds and then maybe hit Factions or hit something like I don't know like the uh, the Ishtar Academy, we get Baxter back on or something.
4: Nice. Cool. Nice. <laughs>
3: And then we're going to keep putting off Dwindler's Ridge. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we
0: can do that forever.
3: We can't. We absolutely can't. <laughs> <laughs> no. All we're right. going to have, a, gonna have a, a podcast skirmish match. Three on three. Thorns <laughs> versus Last Words. That'll determine it.
2: Oh, last, man. last Word will win because I'm a beast <laughs> with Last Word. Just saying yeah yeah yeah
3: but
0: wait are we hunters or are we uh warlocks oh i'm a warlock no no no. that's not what i mean <laughs> <laughs> if we're gonna do it justice how do we know who's who <laughs> that's a good point all right all right let's wrap up before thorn. we get too crazy all right, i guess i'm all right. thorn <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks everyone for tuning in and you can find us like i said on uh on twitter Digo stories on uh on Facebook, Instagram, by this time, if you're listening to us, you know how to check the show notes and, and find all our links, and I'm too tired to think, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to go to bed, I'll feel better next week, and we're going to have some fun with uh with something I don't know we've uh we're coming we'll figure up. it out yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out and uh, <laughs> um, I know we, we we said we have some big stuff planned for April, um, and if you think about it, that's actually approaching our six month anniversary for for doing the podcast so uh uh if you if you've been listening to us for a while you know we like to to do fun stuff and giveaways and things like that so we may have some some awesome stuff in store or we might have nothing in store we might just be uh (laughs) trying to make you listen for no reason so uh anyway come hang out with us and uh, we will see you next time
3: you know, if Beta has his way, we'll be doing a Division lore cast on April 1st. Mm-hmm. All, all, all the servers <laughs> are down oh, really? right
2: now. It's pretty awesome. I've been watching <laughs> Twitter blow up. Everyone's like, Destiny 1, Division 0. <laughs> oh, man. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah, because the Destiny
3: yeah. servers never go down. Yeah.
2: Well, they didn't unlaunch. Do you uh, we, 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 we have to give them that? Launcher is smooth. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's just fun seeing everyone go crazy online. I didn't even know that happened. What happened? The, the uh, division, division released at at midnight Eastern, so they've oh. been live for about an hour and a half, forty five minutes. Wow! And yeah, they, and they well they keep they'll go off and then they'll come back on. They'll go off, come back on. the uh, The community manager for the division, he's just he's streaming himself just eating cookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, That's pretty good. Yeah, now,
0: I don't have anything against division at all because I actually plan on picking it up and playing it. But uh, man, that's a shame.
2: It's you hate to yeah. hear about that stuff well, happening. It's a big game, you know. You, pretty much any game launch, you expect there to be some issues.
0: I so. remember the the whole Christmas debacle on Xbox with Halo yeah. back, whenever it was. I don't even remember how long ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. yeah,
2: it was like weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's bound to happen with the game this with this hype, much hype, this much going into it. There's. You know something's going to go on. It Doesn't mean yeah. game's bad game or bad company. It's just it's a big launch. It right, right. <laughs>
0: hey, and if you uh, if you want to play with us, send us some invites. Um, join yeah, the fan I, chat. Uh, we've been I've been running raids and and PvP and Iron Banner and and trials and everything with a bunch of new friends that that start out as listeners. And so uh, yeah. you're more than welcome to join us anytime, or at least me. <laughs> not about anyone else, but uh I love yeah, making no, friends. So I ran the, I ran the raid
3: with a bunch of folks from the the chat. Uh, it's nice, man. Sometimes you stumble across like some of the people from our fan are they really, really good players. uh And oh my gosh! um So last Tuesday was the first time in I think months that I have not been the runner for Oryx. Nice. <laughs> 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 uh, because Mad Puppy well, we and some of the guys from his crew are just really good. This nice. uh
0: this guy uh Zane, uh 982 that's in our chat. He is a PVP monster and that's no joke. Um I mean, this guy is is something else. I I He uh I was like a 289 a couple weeks ago and uh him and his buddy he's like, "Hey, you want to come play trials?" I'm like, "Man, I am not even I don't have a, a decent gun. I can't do anything. It's like, oh no, no, no we'll carry. It. It's no big deal. And they and carry me. They did. Those guys are ridiculous. I mean, they were they were really good. Yeah, and and some of the players in Pv PB, PvE and just just everywhere has just been uh, been nuts. So yeah. Good.
2: All right, let's call it. All right. <laughs> have a good one, guys. Good night. All right. <laughs> good night. <laughs>